Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. Knockback, the retro and nostalgia podcast is brought to you by, well, you. If you want to learn how to support our show, go to Patreon.com slash Last Stand Media. Greetings and salutations. Welcome back to Knockback. My name is Colin Moriarty. I'm joined as always by my brother, Dagan Moriarty. Dagan, thank you for joining me today. How are you? Oh, hi. Oh, it's Bob. It's Bob. Hey, Mr. Dunn. I didn't good know to Bob see was you. gonna make an appearance tonight. Yeah. <laughs> a little folksy. It feels you like think, a folksy night. I don't know. Do you think Dad gets? I think Dad gets like a little offended when you do that. He when I Bob. do the boom. <laughs> I don't know why. I just have it in me. I don't know what kids met me and Bob share. Wow, Mr. Good Dylan. Good word. Seen. I love that word. Kismet's a great word. I never use that word it's like the word anathema where i try to sneak it in every once in a while because it's just so fun to use <laughs> i can't hear the word kismet without thinking of kermit is that weird um yes. a little strange no i, I it, they're kind of similar spelled not really i mean kismet <laughs> is k-i-s-m-e-t right kermit is does it at least begin with a k tell me it, that it, oh yeah it does definitely okay, kismet right, definitely does all right. all right what's popping my dude nothing dude it's been a busy day Micah just got back. She was gone for four days. She had a death in the family. Her aunt died, so she was up in New England. So I was here alone with the dogs, and just it's a lot of work. I, I don't know. I, I give her a lot of credit. It's like a lot to handle those two scoundrels. Two um, pooches, man. That's yeah. Double the double your pleasure. <laughs> just because we're we're home all the time, so yeah. that's what they're used to, and so they just demand a lot of attention. And they're Boston's, and they're crazy, you know. So. They just have a lot of energy to get up. But so that was kind of a distraction for me. But I'm playing some games and hanging out, watching a little TV, watching okay. some documentaries, whatever the case might be. And so she got back today and Wednesdays are just where we're recording this on a Wednesday. Wednesdays are typically my busiest days, but I kind of like that. I have to get up in the morning to do a meeting with these dudes in Tel Aviv every Wednesday. And then I kind of just roll into this this day writing sacred symbols and uh, which takes a long time researching everything for that and getting our ads together for the show that week and stuff. So it's just a just a busy day but nothing really nothing really happening of any 
of any interest. Every once in a while, I think of something funny to bring up on the show, and then I forget what it is. So. <laughs> you got to write it down. I forget yeah, could. everything. Oh, my God, me too. Everything. It's sad. What's going on in your life? you have anything to share before we uh, begin our topic today? You know, I meant to bring this one up a show or two ago, and it's been on my mind again. Let me know if you've... Stop me if you've heard this one, Kyle. All right. There's this story that's been churning for me over the last few weeks. And I've been following it with some interest. I've been very interested in this. I don't know if you've heard anything about this. Um, let me bring you up to speed with it. So it starts, for me at least, with the gang over at Red Ladder Media. Right? Mm-hmm, a lot of you guys mm-hmm. will know them. Those crazy geniuses over there lampooning and they're absolutely criticizing wonderful. and reviewing films. Oh, they're the best. They're the they're, gold standard for, absolutely. for me. They're, I was going to say they're absolutely the gold standard. I don't listen to much shit. of their stuff except for the plinket plink plinket stuff which i think it, i like when i when they're there it's very rare but when there's a new one i'm like oh my god it's so, so exciting good. it's an event yeah it's exciting really anyway so i didn't mean to interrupt but yeah i love no those not at all no they they really are they're so beating them on I, patreon no big deal <laughs> i thought you might i thought you might squeak that in yeah well you didn't shock me got one by the goalie sure yeah but awesome but they mm-hmm. did this show that was really really entertaining about a month or two ago and it's centered on this conversation about what's going on with Bruce Willis, which I don't know if you've been, or if heard anything about this. So their first show on this, they just basically it basically centered around that Bruce Willis is doing a glut of like B movies, really bad movies, and he's doing a lot. He's doing like one or two or three a month, and they were calling them red box movies, which makes sense. That speaks to me, like the new age of direct to video, lower right. quality, low right. budget. Maybe fledgling directors, whatever. And they were even nailing, you know, which they say Redbox movies, which is even a step down from direct to subscription services movies, right? Something that's not intended for theaters. Again, something not with a, you know, something that has a relatively low budget, meager budget. And so Bruce Willis is doing all these things and they're showing clips and talking about specific movies. And Bruce Willis is acting. Now we all know Bruce Willis. He's an icon, right? We may may know him from Die Hard, may know him from Moonlighting in the 80s, where he kind of had his ascension, may know him from Pulp Fiction, whatever. He's an iconic, he's a movie star. Yeah, definitely. Right? He's great. Fifth and, Element. That's one of my favorite roles. But, right, yeah. Fifth, yeah. All you know, all the whole the whole kit and caboodle. And he's done things with M. Knight. He's done things with Wes Anderson now like he, he I think he's great I think he has a great flavor actually Helene has a really funny story about him I'll, that she saw him once in person I'll talk about that another time but they're showing these clips and I'm not familiar with these movies so you see how stilted the acting is he seems very out of sorts um, he seems very wooden actually and he, he just lacks that whole charisma and he seems like he's just going through the lines there's one scene of one movie where he has a visible earpiece in, so they're <laughs> conjecturing that they're delivering him his yeah, lines. Yeah, delivering the lines. Yeah, yeah. Something seems off. And apparently, it's kind of hard to judge this because Willis did some off-Broadway things back, I don't know, some time ago when he had an earpiece and supposedly he was being fed lines for that. So he's that, that was nothing new. He's also notoriously a little difficult. Kevin Smith talks a little bit about that in some of his uh, stand-ups stand-up routines and stuff. So push comes to shove. They do a show. Red Letter Media does a show like a few weeks later to a month later addressing it in half the show. It was half, it was 
they, it was half Bruce Willis and half another thing, but they wanted to address the Bruce Willis thing at the head of the show. And they basically said they got a lot of input from fans, angry input, saying there's something going on, supposedly conjectured, allegedly, with Bruce Willis that he may be going through some type of dementia, the beginnings of Alzheimer's, whatever it is. So people were saying to, uh, I think it was Mike and Jay, or it was Mike and Rich, I think, look, like, this is what's going on. You guys are, like, being really mean-spirited about it. Like, you know, that really, really upsetting stuff. You know, upset fans and, and people writing into the show. So they wanted to address it, that this may be going on. We didn't mean to be mean-spirited, but, I mean, you know, look, look what happened. We didn't know this. We had no prior knowledge that there was something maybe wrong, some kind of medical ailment. So push comes to shove, and it turns out that Hours ago, today, mm. they started releasing a story on the news that Bruce Willis has is in the early setting, early stages, I guess, of aphasia, which I guess, I don't, I'm not a doctor, but I guess it is some sort of condition where you lose your cognitive abilities, your ability to speak, think, all that kind of stuff. So apparently, going back, Bruce Willis was kind of doing some movie star version of Breaking Bad. Instead of making meth, he was making as many movies as he could as quickly as he could to make money for his family, right, essentially, right. which I think is fascinating. Yeah, it is. And I thought it was fascinating at first, but now I know or it seems to be true. It's it went from being something funny to being something like, holy shit, like this is the way this guy may be spending the last of his days as he is now, which I think is extremely selfless. Definitely. You know, he may not, who knows what happens with aphasia. I don't know if it's even a curable thing, if that's something that's going to linger or. So I don't know, man. I don't think it I is. I just but, thought it was the most yeah. fascinating thing that he was just, and supposedly he's a, he's a high paid guy, right? He's a, he's a, he's a name. He's a marquee name. So he makes bank. So yeah, they I'm, were saying a million dollars a film. He turns out a film in a couple of days. He could do a few, a few a month. So then it all makes sense. If you go back and look at it step by step. I, I was extremely fascinated with it, and I thought it was timely because it was literally, I think, hours ago that Fox News and MSNBC and all the other major news outlets were starting to, you know, leak this report. So it doesn't seem to be conjecture any longer. But I'm also proud of Red Letter Media because they're the ones yeah. who were kind of at the front of this, not the major news corporations, as usual, I, as you know, always. I, I <laughs> no surprise there. I mean, right? I don't even. Want... <laughs> First of all, I mean, what the story, you, you almost replaced Bruce Willis with Joe Biden. <laughs> the same story. <laughs> it's kind of true. Only Joe Biden doesn't really have uh, talent. I'm like, I, the, I was listening the other day and I was like, is Joe, did Joe Biden just declare war on Russia? I don't understand what, what this man it's is so doing. But is, there's how something, old the man is Joe Biden? Remind me how old he is. I think he's 78 or 79. I mean, he's clearly getting up there. I don't. I'm, I. I don't mean this to insult anyone who's a fan of his, but you know what thing I really liked, and that people are starting to make fun of a little bit more. And I'm not saying you should make fun of people's like impediments and stuff like that. But I followed politics very closely for a very long time. You did, and you did. I'm a. I'm a student of history and and and, and all of that. Take sure. it as you will. No one ever said a word that Joe Biden had a childhood stutter until about two years ago. Really? Ever. I mean, I may, maybe it was a throwaway thing here and there. And now suddenly during the campaign, he has like a 
he has a ch- he, oh he can't speak clearly because he has a childhood stutter and the reason that this is in my mind is because you always see clips of him on c and c uh uh, C-SPAN and all these things, you know, 80s and the 90s when he's in the Senate and all. And he's, you know, pumping stuff out. He, he was going left, right and center. And, and just like, oh, my God, you guys are so, so full of shit. Like, wow. he's, he's diminishing. You know, he's nice. diminishing. And yeah. we all know that. Right. But the reality is, is that the, the previous person was so bad that everyone's oh. like, we'd rather have this fucking weekend at Bernie situation going on right now in the White House. I voted for Biden straight up. I uh, what did I? I didn't vote for Trump. Who did I vote for in that one? Did you vote in that election? No, you know what? I didn't vote in that election. That was the first election. I, that was that 2020. W- that was when I was like, no, my yeah. my. <laughs> they were like this or this, and for the first time, I was like, no, I don't think so, <laughs> and I just didn't go. I think a Which lot is, of people. Right. I, I really feel like a lot of people did that. Pulled that one. I don't like compulsion, uh, compulsive voting. Like they do that in Australia. You like you have to vote, and I'm like, no, I don't. I, it should be an option to vote. Frankly, too many of you are voting. All right. <laughs> That's one theory. Yeah, that's one. So it is it is sad. First of all, um, and that's why I'd say with Joe Biden, I, I really do feel that way. Is It's like it's sad to watch someone decline mentally. And we sure. all know it. And we're trying to be polite and you respect your elders and, and all that. But very publicly. This guy's the leader of the free world. But with with Bruce Will, it's so funny, man, because just news pops up all over the place. And I'm like, oh, that will be covered in, you know, five weeks by NBC or something like that. It's just that's just the way it always goes. So Red Letter Media, just the next example of doing God's work. Good, good for them. Those guys are awesome. The best. Absolutely love those guys. The best. But dig in the spirit of the silly spirit, typically of red letter media. We have a topic today that I think is a little lighter. We've been going kind of heavy with some of these topics lately. Actually, I was going, I was looking where, here it is. I was on Spotify looking at knockback. Like we did almost three hours on toy story. That movie is 65 yes, minutes long or something. Like that. <laughs> yes, we did. You know, and then we've been doing like game of Thrones, which is taking forever. We did, two plus hours on ghost in the shell we did two plus hours on uncharted and we did even two hours on 16 candles so these, wow these we all, started to trend long again right we? which right we go through those trends like sacred symbols is trending towards i don't even know what's going on in that show anymore like <laughs> I, I look i look at what i'm like oh it's been four and a half hours like how wow you know just time warp kind of shit if it doesn't I kind feel, of feel like, like it, i just blank out are... during that show what'd you say <laughs> if it doesn't feel like four and a half hours but it is that's right. a great sign i go through like an edgar casey thing where i just like kind of like shake and then i'm 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 in some other place and some other being controls my body and then i'm back that's a fucking deep cut by the way speaking of edgar casey before i get into this topic any further dad used to love our dad used to love edgar casey he's probably come up on the show in the past if you guys don't know edgar casey look him up edgar c-a-y-c-e and he was this like he would like go into these like fits and like these sleeping spells and then like tell these amazing things that would happen and all of this. But one it's of the craziest awesome. things he did was that was that he 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 had a lot to do with Atlantis and stuff, but he would draw maps of the United States and like how they would look. And I was going through stuff that dad dropped me dropped off for me, you know, a long time. Well, not a long time ago, months ago. And uh, there was an Edgar Casey map in there that I loved. That was his, I guess, when I when, when I was a kid and I like always loved it. And it was this map of the United States in like 1995, the way it was supposed to look. And it's all fucked up and there's like all these new cities and all this. I'm like, this is so cool. Wow. He he was dead wrong. (laughs) Uh, But nonetheless. But we liked his creativity. Yeah. So he was an interesting. People should go look at him. Edgar Casey. That's he uh, is. It's so funny that you bring him up. I was just listening to an interview with Rodney Mullen last night. Pro skateboarder Rodney Mullen. And he was talking about Edgar Casey on the on the uh, in the interview, which I think is so that's so weird. It is weird. Maybe it's him channeling through us both (laughs) to reach you. There you go. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. 
Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. So the topic at hand, Dave, is a little philosophical in some way because I want to know the philosophy, the history, all of this, of the, the childhood bedroom. I'm surprised we hadn't talked about this more deeply. Sometimes I come up with these topics and I'm like, we must have. We must have talked about this, but we, we didn't. We've never talked about the childhood bedroom. And I talk about the philosophy of the childhood bedroom because I feel like everyone has a philosophy with their, their bedroom when, was, mm-hmm. when they're a kid. And I feel like that philosophy evolves. And I feel like sometimes you even try to force other philosophies into your bedroom structure. I really want to talk about that because that happened to me a lot in high school where you want to have a different kind of philosophy, but you really can't. So what came to mind to you for you when I brought this topic up? Because this is kind of an interstitial topic. We're going to get back to Game of Thrones and all the games that we're doing and all this. Absolutely. What came to mind for you? Because obviously you have what I would identify in my mind, what of like three childhood bedrooms and you probably don't even really remember the first one. So, yeah. So it's yep. and, and for me, I have like four or five, I guess, depending on how you look at it. But I'm curious what came to mind for you, because I remember your bedroom, especially on Marie Court so well. I remember that bedroom, the gray walls and I remember I figured you, you punched in the bedroom. wall that you covered with a poster and that <laughs> for eight years or something. And all that other stuff. I forgot so, about that. Yeah. So, Dave, tell me a little bit about what came to mind for you. Yeah, I figured you would have a little, a few more in total. Mine, my childhood bedrooms were, were four, actually. But the first one, which well, I'll go into briefly, I, don't, I barely remember because I only had till I was four years old. And this is a subject that I think is going to be a lot of fun. And it's actually on my mind a lot because I have two kids. So we're always dealing with their rooms. And I, sp- I have two kids that are getting older now. One's going to be 12 this year. One just turned 15. So I'm seeing the genesis from their little kid version rooms sort of evolving into their young adult rooms now. And we're dealing with that, redecorating new furniture. My son, you know, Graydon's always in his room sort of planning something. He loves to kind of change the floor plan and just get a different layout, which reminds me very much of myself when I was Yeah, I was going to say, you used to do that all the time too. Yeah, I was was really into that. Early feng shui. You know, yeah, I, I mean, you did it. You did not only there, but in the in the basement. We'll have to talk about the basement one day in our own oh, house. Absolutely, really tried to get to that going too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. we didn't have a finished basement. We tried to, 
we tried to make it like a finished basement. So right. it's like a proxy of a finished basement. Right. But I like this because it could be a little tale about those spaces that we spent so much time in growing up. You know, our little childhood caves of comfort. And I think about it a lot with my kids too, with punishment, because this is the place where we were banished to whenever we got in trouble as kids. Right. It's so right? funny. You're, yeah, exactly. Which Helene always had a very, I think, a very fashion forward philosophy with this. And I'm not sure why she sort of enacted this in our household from the beginning. Maybe, you know what, she might have grown up this way, where she didn't get sent to her room when she got in trouble. I think her her mom kind of thought that was wrongheaded. And so we've never done that either, even though I did. But it didn't change the the look of my room for me. You know, it was a place where we could play, use our imaginations, be surrounded by the stuff that we loved, the stuff that we dug the most. And the place that we had really the only place as kids that you have any domain over, you know? So it's your one, it's that one place that you could truly call your own and your first sort of refuge away from the rest of the world, comfort, sleep, hopefully, you know, and hopefully all kids have that, but I certainly grew up that way. And it was interesting to think of the four different bedrooms or three and a half different bedrooms because the first one, I, I don't even know, it's like a confluence of memories and seeing things in photos i don't know what's what you know i can't really place each vision or image but i think i think it'll be really fun i have definitely very specific memories of each bedroom and frankly not even just the aesthetic things and the and the sort of the tangible tactile things the furniture and the toys and that's certainly a part of the equation but also the different emotional things each bedroom just thinking about each bedroom and each age and each era and all of the different emotional things that it kind of drudged up for me and it reminded me of some weird stuff that i've never even talked about so i think it could be a very interesting conversation and then some of the bedrooms that you've had i don't even know very well so again this is a type of thing where i'm going to be at rapt attention because i don't even know some of your bedrooms of course i do two of them specifically but some of them I don't, you know, when you moved out of state, when you moved out of New York, I, you know, maybe saw those rooms so infrequently that I really don't even have any memory of those places. So that'll be fun to talk about. I think it's also funny, too, how the bedroom changes not only over time for you as a child and what it means for you and where you, it's where you go and all these kinds of things. But even in kind of going out into the real world, you're still tethered to these bedrooms. For me, anyway, I was... I rented places with people and you had your community play, you know, your living room and your dining room or whatever your kitchen. But then you all had your bedrooms. And I, I, I reflect back. I get this. I get this real anxiety, actually. And it's just because I'm getting old and weird and I never go anywhere. But when when I, I go out and about and I see like an apartment complex or an apartment building, I get almost a sense of dread. Like, oh, my God, I can't believe I lived with other people and like had to share my space with other people and walls with other people and have to worry about all these different things. It's almost like I don't even remember that. And my bedroom now these days in my late thirties, I guess is like, I never, I, I give a fuck about my bedroom. It's just so funny. There's, we have a really beautiful king size bed and a beautiful TV in there and stuff, but I don't, I go in there to sleep and like watch TV and hang out, you know, make love. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> But you know what I mean? Like the bedroom just has changed. It's not a place. It's not a it's not a focal point of my life. I never want to really be in it. I try not to lay down, too, because I just. I don't know. I just always felt I felt like I was in bed for like years of my life when I lived in with other people because I was just nowhere, nowhere else to go. Yeah, so it's just, that was it's the just one in, place. 
and I get I, I get anxiety. I watch some of these YouTube videos of people's spaces and cities and how they live really small and really lean and something like that's cool. But man, it's just so rough. These almost capsule size places. It's just it's too much for me. But I want to start with you. You're obviously older than me. So we'll start with your early bedroom or bedrooms. I'm just curious if what your memories are of that, maybe that first or that second room, the one I guess you're most cognizant of. That would be neighbor, I guess. Neighbor Avenue would be the first one you really remember. That would be the first one I have vivid memories of. Yeah. So, yeah, talk to me about this and talk to me about your philosophy. You're very persnickety like I am, but I think you're even more so. So I and I, I wish I kind of had a memory of your room and your your layout and all those, but I, I just don't. I just don't re- remember it at all. So talk to me a little bit about that. Those early formative days. <laughs> It's funny that you say persnickety because that sort of persnickety, methodical, OCD, everything's got to be in its place will definitely factor in, especially to one of the bedrooms I'm going to talk about. And I really dig what you said about sort of the close quarter apartments, whether it's our past or people still living like that, especially young people, students, graduate students, whatever, college dorms, whatever. It's a big part of everybody's journey. But I still deal with that too. I know exactly what you mean, especially because I work in a company. I work for Nickelodeon out of New York. So a lot of the people that I work with, if they're not on the West Coast, they live in Brooklyn. I mean, quite frankly, that's where they live, 90% of them. And on our Zoom calls, you know, I'm in multiple Zoom calls every day, still not quite over the COVID thing. So everybody, almost everybody is still working remotely, although that's starting to change. Now, but so I see everybody's spaces and you could tell their apartments, you could tell. And I definitely, it definitely does feel different. There's so few people that I work with, especially in my industry that live in the suburbs because everything's in, everything's in the cities, especially on the East coast. So that is something that definitely registers with me. What you said, the first bedroom I had, and I have to give a nod to it. It makes sense to start here was on Long Island when I was first born. Now, when I was first born, it was in Port Washington, Long Island. Mom and dad had an apartment there. And I was there for less than a year. I have absolutely no recollections of that place at all. But the first tiny house that they bought, there's so many interesting things about this for me because mom grew up in a very tiny town on Long Island called Albertson. Now, it's in Nassau County. I bet even our listeners from Long Island, I bet a big percentage of them don't even know what Albertson is. It's a very tiny one mile by one mile square village near Mineola. A lot of people know Mineola and major hubs like that, but that's where mom grew up and that's where mom and dad bought their first house. And it's such a striking memory for me because the house was so tiny. Did you ever see it, Kyle? Do you remember ever yeah, seeing dad, it? Yeah, we would go to, dad has these interesting nostalgic bends. Like, I don't know if he did it with you ever, but when we would be out in Nassau County, he would like go drive by things. Like, you know, let's go by the old house. Let's go back, you know, go I to the old that. diner. Let's do it. And so, yeah, uh, on several occasions, he would he would go by that old house. So, yeah, I did see it. And it is tiny little tiny. I little mean, house. a bungalow. I, I, yeah. If I'm saying 600 square feet, I'm not exaggerating. I mean, it was a really tiny, probably post-World War II, but maybe that was one of the existing structures that was there even longer than that. I don't know. It's a good question, actually. But that's where I lived from probably nine or 10 months old through four years old. I was there. Dana was born there. Our sister Dana, our older sister, was born born there. And I have almost no sort of tangible visions or recollections of the place. And again, like I said, a lot of it is probably my mind being fooled by a blending of photographs that I've seen mixed with probably a couple of choice memories, right? But 
I have very fleeting visions of like Dana's crib in the room. We shared a we shared a, room, a bedroom as far as I know. I think it was only a two bedroom house to my best recollection. And Dana, who's two years younger than I am, she was in a crib. The interesting thing is, Kyle, I was there long enough to have gone from crib to bed age, right? So I had to be in a bed by the time we left that house at four years old at some point. And I have like the random memory of like a Raggedy Ann doll, brown carpet, that sort of avocado green walls with the orange, very 70s, wood paneling, very dark, not a lot of light in the house, a very 70s look and feel to those to those very again very foggy memories of that and i wish i remembered more because i feel like by the time we got to our larger house out east on long island in medford which is the first bedroom i really remember i feel like i was already a little bit older so you're kind of it would have been cool to remember some of that toddlery stuff whether it was the toys the way the room was decorated i have very little very little memory, but you know what? Mom and dad do have a lot of pictures that have been surfacing a lot over the last few years for some reason. So I have to look through those because it might refresh some things and spark some spark some memories that kind of then it becomes like a domino effect of remembering certain things. Yeah. But um, maybe it's a logical place to kick it over to you because you have more bedrooms to discuss too. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it's... I don't, know, I don't know which ones I'm going to discuss and which one. I mean, there's some, a couple obvious ones. I don't know if I have to talk about all of them. Because it really is about the philosophy. I want to really get into that. But there are obviously yeah, I two, get into I really that wanna, too. two I really want to get into. I, so I had a bedroom in Neighbor Avenue, but I don't remember that. And then we moved to to Marie Court. And so that was the first bedroom I really remember. Now, I have to say this. I found that I, I think we've said this before. And I know I always say that, but I'm so sorry because I just feel like I'm so redundant over the years. So who the fuck? Some people are like, I know, I know. <laughs> but I find it weird that dad and mom built you know their dream house in Brookhaven the house that I basically we grew up in with four bedrooms when they had four kids <laughs> they have you ever thought about that like what I was thinking about today you, like you guys and I know that dad, I know because of, of, of you know his new house in the Hamptons they like agonize over this blueprint. I know, Dad. I know that it was to his exact specifications. Yes. And it's like, why didn't you have five bedrooms? And so I have to say that just on, on the outset that I kind of feel bad because Dana and Allie, our sisters, shared a room. But their room was huge. I mean, I, I don't know if I remember it quite accurately because I'm a kid. But yeah. I remember that room being enormous. It was long. To, yeah, it was that? long, right? Yeah, it was long. Yeah. And they had like a walk-in closet. Not that it was like very walk-in, but it was... um. But for some reason, they had to share a room. And, and I never shared a room with anyone until I was in college. I wanted to kill those motherfuckers when I was in college. And, you know, half the people that I lived with. But hear that. not for any, not because for any other reason, but because they snored. I wanted to absolutely murder some of these people. Oh, it's a roommate thing. There's always going to be some yeah, sort of drama. Definitely. But absolutely. I never had to deal with that. And you didn't either. I don't know. You know, no? Dana and Allie. No. They, I just I, I would. That would have been a real question for me when, when we moved. If I was especially Dana, I would have been like, why can't I have my own room? You're building this house is being built. Just put a wall there. Yes. And give me my own. So that was, so I, I would love to know the theory behind that. But it is um, odd. It is odd. It is. It totally is. But my and I'm sure you remember, but for people that wouldn't know, which is all of you, you walk into the front house, front door of our old house and then slightly to the left of the front door was the staircase up right, right in front of you. If you walked up the stairs and then just went right around so that you were like walking parallel to the stairs, my room was right there at the top of the stairs. 
And um, my philosophy with my room as a kid was cleanliness. I don't know. I think it's because, you know, it's nurture. Mom and dad are very clean, like neat, organized people. And so from a very young age, it was like, you got to keep your things neat and my task was always to go like dust the baseboards every week and do whatever, you know, everyone had their own little tasks and all these <laughs> yep. kinds of things. Yeah. And so I remember just kind of keeping things in order. And the things I remember about that first room were, first of all, I had two closets. I don't know what that was all about. Again, mm-hmm. this is a choice that dad made. Right. And it's like, so I had two. Do you remember that? I had two closets. Were they side room. by side? Yeah, they were side by side. With I each do. Other. I forgot all about that. Yeah. And then. So I don't know what that was all about. And then next to it was a shelf that was like half built in that I actually think was from my old bedroom. It was like this massive floor to ceiling shelf. And it was awesome. And I remember it because when we left in 97, we had to leave it behind. And then my my bed the entire time, I think I was there. My bed was in the middle of the room. I, I hate that shit now. You have to do it in like with a lot of like master bedrooms. But I hate that so much. The bed, the bed in the middle of the room for, you know, for single people beds yeah. and then uh, you know, nightstands dresser along the side of the wall. And then it was that kind of far area that moved around a little bit. We had various small TVs and and chests there and a toy chest at the foot of my bed and then like a desk. I had your art desk later on when you went to college and all sorts of different things. And my philosophy was with that particular room again was just was just order. I don't know that I really had developed fully my own my own personality yet. I had like a lot of different things. You know, the stuffed animals. I had like the Grave Digger poster and the Babe Ruth poster. I had the Mega Man three poster from Nintendo Power. And yes, I had a huge map of the world on my my wall. I don't know if you remember that. I was like obsessed with that map. I do. It actually I had do. the Soviet Union on it, which is so like I was learning from this map that for some reason no one told me wasn't accurate. Although it was when it was bought, I guess. And so that's kind of like the, the or early formative memories of that room. And I, I spent a lot of time in there, although the house was so big and I was there after 1993 only for summers and vacations that it's like, well, I'm going to be in other part. I'm going to be outside in the pool. I'm going to be with my friends and be here and there. So but I, 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 lo- I loved sitting in there playing games and doing my weird paper and pencil, like single player role playing type sports things that I've talked about in the past where I'd have like all these sports leagues going on with like dice and all, you know, I I was out of my mind. I don't know what the hell I was doing when I was a kid, but, (laughs) but I think about that That room now and it's, it is one of those situations. Like if walls could talk that, that house, I'm sure still exists. Same wall. I'm sure is still there. And it's just, it would be so interesting to kind of have some of those memories and see some of those sites. Cause I have a few specific ones, specifically in the far corner of the room. We built like a you you and I did it together. We built like a. Uh, we just put a bunch of like pillows and and uh, blankets down and made like a little gaming corner, a little gaming. And, and we would like move those things around, do that all the time. And I, I do have specific memories of us playing Mario three in my room, of us playing Mega Man two in our room. I have a memory of playing Mega Man two in the corner of my room by myself. I have a memory funny enough of Allie and her best friend Janine and us, me playing like Mario with them. And that's so funny. Memory. I, don't remember I have a memory what TV you had in there. What TV? Did I you think have it was the uh, remember the TV with like the twist. Uh, it's like a small 12 inch TV that dad used to have like in his bedroom. And it was like, yes, you twist yep. it to turn it on and off. Really it was color. That, it wasn't black. Yeah, it was color. Right. Yeah, yeah. But it was really small. I think that that was the TV. And then later on, I had a TV that I don't know where dad pulled this one from, but I, I had it like until 2001 or so when I finally bought my own TV. It was from the seventies. 
So I had like my PS1, my PS2, my Dreamcast, like all hooked up to this ancient TV. It would make this humming noise and I would smack the side of it and it would stop. <laughs> and like you turn it on, it would be like, <laughs> and then you'd like smack it and it would stop. Oh, I miss those days. I really And I do. have pictures of that TV. Like, there's pictures of me playing games on that TV. I'll have to dig those up at some point. But so that's kind of the, the extent of that of that time. And it's interesting because that time, I just don't ever felt like feel like I spent much time in that room like with my friends my when i think about my friend eric or my friend bryce my friend tim we were always hanging out in their rooms for some reason in my in our house there was just we were just somewhere else and i also never really liked hanging out in my house i don't know i always wanted to be kind of gone but what's funny about that room too that first room in marie court is just uh after mom and dad got divorced and i would go home it was kind of like fun to be like oh you know your room is there like you have a room go to your room and it's not like you're staying in some stranger's place so that's a kind of special refuge for for me from that perspective, but I miss that place. And it's funny, like in thinking back about that house and why I was sad when we left and the things that I think about, it's not so much the room as much as it's just like about other stuff. It was almost not central to a lot of my memories. My, my room at, on Woodland Avenue is much more central. About that yes. Next, oh, that, that room is iconic for me. Legendary yeah. bedroom. Yeah. It's all, it's a lot one. of funny, a lot of funny memories and only a few years happened in there with a lot of different people. So yeah, I'll leave it there. Um, but this brings you to, I guess, what, Neighbor Avenue, right? Yeah, the first yeah, one, because I had two different bedrooms in Neighbor Avenue. Oh, I don't think I knew that. Okay. Yeah, so because when okay. you came along, oh, I you, you took Allie, your nursery became Allie's bedroom. That's when Allie and Dana first started sharing a room. Oh. Yeah. And yeah, then dad is... built a house to circumvent that, but didn't build another bedroom. <laughs> so weird. It what really was that is all strange. about? Isn't that like a great mystery? It really it, is. It's one of those unexplainable things with mom and dad. God bless them. I love them so much. They're like, yeah, we, oh, we're, we have too many kids in this four bedroom house. Let's move to a four bedroom house. <laughs> but I'll, I'll make it even more of a compound issue because if you think of our first, well, I'm about to go into my bedroom on Neighbor Avenue in Medford. And this house, this house on Neighbor Avenue in Medford was probably, if I'm not mistaken, a 2200 or 2,400 square foot colonial. It was relatively large. It wasn't a small house. And it was, a, as Colin says, it was a four bedroom house with a living room and a family room and a dining room and a full kitchen and two and a half bath, the same thing. We moved into a house that was, I believe the house in Brookhaven was 4,400 square feet. It was twice the size. And yeah, our parents decided that, now that was a premium move. They had the house custom built. There was a lot of there. It's that a master bedroom was probably nine hundred square feet alone. It was huge. Like, Jesus Christ, guys! Their Can we give bedroom. Allie a room, please? <laughs> <laughs> it was an interesting decision, especially for such a large house. And when you're yeah. going premium, I still feel like this. When you go in premium in a house, now I live in a four bedroom house too. I get it, but five bedroom is where you really step up. That's really a premium thing. I would yeah, still like definitely. to buy a five bedroom house, just thinking about the future and accommodating guests and all that kind of thing. But that was a weird decision, especially when you're doling out, you're dividing that huge space into a specific amount of rooms. You definitely had the room for the five. You know, even in the center, I guess that was a Georgian colonial. That's a sinister, that's a sinister so man. It was strange. And, you know, Allie and Dana started sharing a room when you came along. So Sorry about that, guys. Yeah, that, and that's interesting. That's a really interesting part and a fun part of my memories, actually. And you know what? I also love what you said, Kyle, about... You know, now we take the bedroom for granted as adults, right? Especially guys like me and you, people like us that have offices and stuff. Right. You know, it's like having another bedroom. 
But now when you, when you own a home, even if you have a family, even if you have a larger family, now your one bedroom as a kid, your one space, that one custom space that was all yours. Now you have that times 10 times 12. It's your, your entire home is yours. So that mystique and that importance of that bedroom fades as you get older. Especially because I'll just come in here. I'll just come in my studio in my office. Right. So I love I love that too. So it 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 definitely harkens back to a certain era in our lives where you do have just that one space that's yours that you could decorate the way you want, it's your own flavor. No one could tell you. I mean, your parents can't tell you what to do, and we'll get into that too. But within reason, you're still able to kind of let your personality shine and do your thing in there and be your own be your own person kind of like decorating your car later on with bumper stickers right but that your bedroom is the first iteration of that but yeah this first bedroom for me so many memories man we to my best recollection this house in medford was built in 77 and for those of you who don't know long island the suburbs of new york there was a big push east over the years over the decades nassau county which is the westernmost county on long island in the suburbs was largely developed after World War II. And then slowly over the years, every five or 10 years, there'd be a push east. And when we moved out east, about 30 or 40 miles, you know, east of where our parents grew up in Nassau County, it was still largely farmland out there. And they were just starting, the builders were just starting to develop, Sid Farber and these other huge developers were just starting to develop that part of Long Island. So it was really brand new. And there was a lot of people coming from the west not only Nassau County, but from the Bronx, from Queens, from Manhattan, for you know, so to, and a lot of their first experience in the suburbs, like my best friend John, his family was from the Bronx, South Bronx. And it's a very specific memory for me because when we first moved there, now it's largely developed with stores, corporations, businesses, and homes. There's a lot more sprawl, but back then there was a lot of farmland. And that's really part of the vision in my mind's eye when I think back to then. It was like, yeah, we had the development. There was no lawns yet. Everything was on dirt. You know, maybe the seeds were starting to sprout. Not a lot of companies around. Maybe your miscellaneous office parks and gas stations and stuff, but it wasn't built up like it is today. And I have so many vivid memories of this because I stayed in this bedroom from when I was four to when Colin came along. I moved over a bedroom, and I'll talk about that one next, around 10. So I spent the better part of six or seven years in this bedroom. And I have so many funny memories of this this bedroom. And it starts for me, I know I talked about this on another show, but it starts for me with the Kiss posters on my wall because it's very, very strange. Now, they probably didn't come along until I was six. But picture a six-year-old. I had two Kiss posters on my wall. One was the Love Gun album illustration. You know, huge poster-sized posters. These weren't little eight and a half by 11 things. And the other one was for Destroyer. So Love Gun is the guys, the Kiss guys, our four heroes in their little hero poses with scantily clad girls at their feet, laying at their feet, right? That's the one image. And the next image is Ace and Peter and Paul and Gene kind of in their getups with their spikes and their leather and their chains and their crazy shoes and everything on beautiful illustration, actually on like this piece of doing like their their hero poses on this mound of rubble with a burning city in the background, right? <laughs> Just like not things you would think about that are appropriate for a six-year-old. But 
Kiss it's really time. did cross over into that pop culture for us in the late seventies, but it was weird because. And here's what I thought about that made me laugh. Somebody had to buy me those and hang them up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly think that parents back then just were not paying attention. I think they probably saw that. They saw the Kiss logo, that Telltale Kiss logo, right in the yellow and orange with those funny S's. And they probably saw Gene and his makeup or whatever. And that's where it stopped for them. They were just like, hey, my son's into it, you know, type of thing. It would be like a five or six-year-old rocking like a guar poster on their wall today. It's just weird. You know, it's like not time for that. You could see that 14, 15. They're starting to spread their wings and express themselves. But as a six-year-old, it's such a huge part of my memory because it was right next to my bed. So I would go to sleep looking at those images and I, they didn't scare me. I, I loved it. And, you know, I had the albums, hand-me-downs from Uncle Mike again. I had the Peter Chris solo album with his face plastered on it. So Kiss was like a big part of that bedroom and what appealed to me back then. I was super into Kiss. And I remembered this, Kyle, which was fun. I had a white plastic toy Kiss guitar that I remembered being a fixture a permanent fixture in my room i had it leaned up against the wall it was like one of my prized possessions you know and i remember it was basically just a plastic guitar with crappy strings electric guitar but it had a decal a giant kiss decal over the body of the guitar that was how they decorated it. and probably the factory in china or whatever they did all the different bands on it it was the same mold maybe different color and different decal but for some reason this mold of this electric guitar had a giant hole in it like an acoustic guitar would have. So every sample I've ever seen of this thing has the sticker pushed in around the hole. And I remember doing that. Like I couldn't resist it as a kid. I had to break the sticker where that right. hole was. Right. <laughs> and I looked it up on eBay. That I saw one example of this guitar going for $800 Wow. on eBay right now, which is so crazy because I remember really loving that thing it was like one of my first memories of a toy that i really loved probably pre-star wars if not very close to that time period and the other thing that occurs to me about this this room was star wars was really the only toys that i was into at this time because gi joe transformers and the other things hadn't really come along yet and i remembered as i was thinking and writing down memories i had a toy chest at the foot of my bed and I remember that was like my place of honor for any new toy that I got that I was excited about. I would prop it up on my toy chest. So when I woke up in the morning, I could just crawl to the edge of my bed and grab it. And, you know, I always talk about this on the show and the girls, especially our sisters will laugh at this, but we grew up very, we were fine, right? Very middle-class. We didn't want for anything. Everything was lovely. I had a great childhood, but we didn't just, I can't stress this enough. We didn't just get shit for no reason. It was like good report card, Christmas, birthday, great. But we didn't just get toys randomly. When we got something, it was an event. It could be an action figure. It didn't matter what it was. That was like a big deal. And I would love getting like a Star Wars figure, a new Star Wars figure. I remember one time, I don't even know how these came into play, but I had the, um, we talked about on the Toy Story show, the little molded, toy soldiers the little green yeah. baggie of soldiers that you get i had 
weird, colorful versions of that, but they were cowboys and Indians. Oh yeah, I, I remember, remember those. I had, right? I had remember those. Some, I had similar ones. Yeah, I remember those too. Yeah, yeah. And I, I wonder if they're those. the same ones, but I had I had those. I yeah. would just prop them up on my toy chest. That would be like the star of the week. Whatever toy I got, I remember De- I got Death Star Commander, that funny action figure with the crazy the black bull helmet. Yeah, right. He was a big guy for me. Like I, I was excited about him for a couple of weeks. So that was like my little stage where I'd keep like the toy that I was really excited about. And then that room is kind of a bittersweet memory for me too, because it was a, it was kind of a blending of things I was into and then just really kitty type things. Like I had that creepy giraffe coat hanger in there. Yeah, I remember that thing. Again, the toy chest with just random toys that were just like secondhand or of less importance to, to me than like the Star Wars toys or anything that I was really into. And the this is the one thing that I remember wanting so much as a kid. Now you probably can't relate to this as much because you actually did have it. And later on, you'll talk about your bedroom in on in uh, your other bedroom in Brookhaven in the smaller house, and you got a computer in there and stuff. But I always I'm a '70s kid, right? I grew up in the '70s and '80s. I always worshipped at the altar of having a TV yeah. with cable in my room. It was like a dream come true to me like to ha- to be able to have that the other thing a lot of gen xers will speak to be able to relate to is having a phone like those kids that had their own phone line what like that was like the most opulent i couldn't even imagine something that was more decadent than having your right, own phone like right. a dream i didn't even want to talk i hated talking on the phone right but yeah, just to have just- that you know just Definitely. to have that big kid thing but the one thing i did have in that first bedroom that i remember very well I had one of our old primitive TVs, like a hand-me-down black and white TV. This was pre-remote control ready, dial, nine channels. And I had the Atari 2600 hooked up to it. And I remember, I was probably seven, having to battle mom and dad just to have that opportunity. Like, please, like you could trust me. And like, I was on a strict ration. Like they would tell me when I could start and stop playing. It wasn't like I could just do it whenever I wanted. But just having that in there, with the Atari and a, you know, probably a handful of games. We didn't have that many games. Was such a treat. And it was my first time of having that in my bedroom. I always wished that I could watch cable. Like to be able to watch cartoons from my bed was just a dream. It was just like a dream that I thought would never come true. You know, it was like, how long do I have to wait for this? But that was the one thing. I had the Atari in there and I had a record player. And it was probably a kitty record player. I had my Kiss albums, and I had three other albums in rotation. That's it. I had Star Wars, which was like a John Williams orchestral type thing from the first Star Wars film. I had Disco Duck, which was like this weird Donald Duck disco album. And I had a Snoopy Peanuts thing, which which had that Red Baron, Snoopy versus the Red Baron song, which Mm. I loved as a kid. And I would listen to that stuff on rotation. And then for the... The Gen Xers out there, you'll remember this. I also had, I wish I still had these. Back then, in the junkie cereals, Count Chocula, and probably Fruit Loops and Lucky Charms, once in a while, they would have a record in there. And most of the time, they weren't plastic records. They were these cardboard, heavy stock cardboard records that they had in the baggie, and they had the grooves, and they would play like goofy cartoon character mascot related tricks rabbit songs or whatever 
and I would listen to those. And that was a very specific memory because I think those went away by like the early 80s. So that's a very 70s, late 70s, early 80s specific memory. Like a lot of that bedroom is. We were talking about Sid's bedroom, Kyle, on Toy Story. Right. And do you remember those? You, you're probably too young to remember. They, we had those carpets, those builder grade, sort of low plush sculpted carpets in that house, in the bedrooms upstairs, different colors. One one bedroom had green, one had burgundy, one had blue, whatever. And I do remember that carpet because if you weren't careful in your PJ shorts or if you're just wearing boxer shorts or shorts, you could get a rug burn because yeah. that was a very unforgiving, very tough, almost like a, I don't know, like a polyester blend that was almost sharp to the touch. And I do remember getting rug burns. Like if you slid out a little too much, a little too excitedly on your carpet before, you know, we got like upgraded carpets or the carpets downstairs are a huge contrast. You know, the builders back then, they would just throw those cheap carpets up there because, and then you would have a choice to upgrade it later on if you wanted to, but they had to put something over those plywood subfloors, you know? So that was the other, that was the other big memory with me. And the other thing is that I took for granted though, that bedroom had, I had my own bathroom. It it was attached to the bathroom from I had the bedroom, which was pretty large, and eventually Dana and Allie would share that bedroom when I moved to the other smaller room when you were born, but it had a little sort of vestibule, like a little airway, hallway, with closet on either side, and then that had a door that opened up to one of the one of the full baths. Not the master bath, obviously, but the bath that was on the hallway. So I had, for a little while, for that five or six years, I had access to my own Bathroom, and of course, all the kids use that bathroom. Not just, not just me. The girls used it too. It's kind of like Our the Brady sisters. Bunch. Yeah, absolutely. They, they did. They had that central bathroom right mm-hmm. in between. Yeah, where they would two. come in on opposite sides. That's awesome. That's yeah. so funny. Yeah, it's dope. So that was that. So that bedroom really smacks of the seventies for me until the early eighties. And by the time you, you know, probably in eighty three, while mom and dad were kind of getting the wheels in motion for you to come along and get your nursery squared away. We were probably all moved into our other bedrooms, you know, what, six months before you were born or so. So, yeah, I probably was only in that bedroom for, you know, about six years. Interesting. Okay. I don't even think I, I don't, I did not know that. So that's news to me. That makes sense. I don't know what, what, you're right though about these different, different bedrooms. Like I'm in a bedroom in my house right now and it is nice to just have that kind of escape. Maybe it would be different if I didn't have that, that here. So. Yeah, that's true. Good point. Yeah. Or a finished basement. You got to have the man cave or Helene has her sewing room, which is just kind of a little yeah. addendum to yeah, that's master dope. bedroom. Yeah, so I like that one. You have to have that. Yeah, you have a cool you have a cool master bedroom. So, I'll talk about the Woodland Avenue room last. What I'll I'll jump in here before I do that one just to talk a little bit about my rooms in New England. So, I lived in Maine, 93 to 96. I lived in New Hampshire, 96 to 98. And what's interesting about the the memories of those places is that I don't really remember making the room that I lived in for three years in Maine really my own. I moved up there. It was like just another room. Mom, mom lived with her boyfriend up there. It was just two bedrooms and like a... I actually saw a picture of it recently. I was like, oh man, it's like fucking blast from the past it was just this real small beach house kind of situation i don't know maybe 500 square feet something like that 600 square feet wow that is it small. was small yeah it was small yeah it was small 
and yeah maybe 600 square feet something like that i would I'd be curious to know what mom would think about that and so i ended up moving into this room and i, I there's certain memories i have of it like I, I ended up getting this like kind of cheapish wood shelf that mom still has actually in like our attic now that i used to put like some toys on she bought me which is really funny and i still bring it up and still make fun of her to this day she bought a bunk bed now this is totally true she'll deny that this is true but it, it is true and i think it is hysterical we bought this bunk bed it was this black metal bunk bed she still i um, had it i think at the beach house until she does yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 and i'll tell you right now that we saw that bed so we bought that bed in like 93 we saw that bed maybe a few months later on a recall commercial during a <laughs> hockey game where it was like, you know, ring, ring, like urgent recall like this. Whoa. Yeah. And we saw I, I, and I slept on that bed. People have slept on that bed a million different ways. Oh, my kids have slept on it. Yeah. yeah. Every, Our I, nieces I, and nephews. Right. And uh, there was a reason why I would never sleep on the bottom. I'm like, I'll never sleep on the bottom of this bed. And mom's like, it's not that bad. It was a different bed. But she used to be in on it. Ah. But when I was a kid. So that's how I know that she knew that that anyway. That so I, I remember awesome. I remember that bed and it's so, so funny. What I remember about that too is it was so it was like this cheap shit metal bunk bed. It wasn't you know best we can do. But the ladder to the top was just metal bars. And it was like totally just destroy your feet. And I remember us putting <laughs> like you know the pipe foam or you know the around it know so exactly. that I could actually like, yeah, co- like pipe yeah, so like, and I I would put like hockey tape around it so I could like step up. <laughs> But it's so funny because with that room, I just remember in Maine, I just don't really remember making it my own. We had a desk in the corner and I had a small Daewoo TV, like 13 inch TV. Nice. Hooked up with my SNES and I would just sit there and play my SNES in the corner, sitting in a chair. Sometimes I would hook it up to the TV outside, you know, in the living room, which was probably three times bigger and not, not too big. And that's kind of the memory of that house it had this, i don't know if you remember it very well but it had just white walls white wooden walls and it had this like orange and red mix carpet that was probably from the 70s wow no I and remember that. this is kind of a linoleum type kitchen bathroom in the far end all this and so yeah that bedroom i never really made into my own and i will say this to mom's credit and props to mom and this is sad thinking back back about it is that when Allie moved to maine for a year so that was in 95 i think 90 the school year 95 96 okay mom slept on the couch that entire year so Allie can the entire time yeah i never yeah. knew that yeah so that's a selfless mom yeah that really is because uh yeah so that was uh that was the thing that happened as well so yeah I, I there's that house and then new hampshire i lived in for two years when i went to private school there i lived in another house on dover point road and this room was bigger it was cool it was kind of exciting i remember being excited to be in that in that room same bed and all of that a lot more space to work with i remember hanging up, i was really into hockey obviously i was hanging up all my posters and all these kinds of things but again I, I don't feel like at this particular time i was in the rooms too much i was playing hockey i was at school i was doing other things so it wasn't until high school that i really was able to make my my put my personality into my room and you know i think i was working at a specific disadvantage because i was just moving around so much I, my spirit as it were was never really stationary in one place. So I never really got to like build on things and establish a structure. And and that's kind of a sad, the sad reality of my life. In fact, I have these, I have almost every night a dream for a long time, like a dream of where I'm urgently trying to get somewhere or do something or something is like incomplete or, 
and I can never get there and I can never do what I need to do and all that. And I think it all goes back to and I wake up with like anxiety like every day from. These wow. Shows. Like I'll be in an airport and cannot get to the plane. I'll be in like a train station and cannot get to the train. I'll be in school and like cannot get to my class in time. Like every night, pretty much. I have one of these dreams. Holy shit. And it's like an unresolved thing in my mind. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that I was just always moving about. I never got a chance to solidify myself. I can never be where I wanted to be, which was just stationary and secure. So I think that that has something to do with these, the, especially the rooms in New England, not really having their personality. Because when you think about it, I was in Maine, but my, I would go home for three months or three and a half months during the summer to Long Island. I would be gone Christmas, Easter, all the holidays, many weekends. I was never really there. And then when I was there, I was playing hockey and doing all these different kinds of things. So it just, it's funny actually that I guess there's an amendment though, because I had a bedroom for one year in New Hampshire when I was in eighth grade, when I lived with dad at this apartment complex in 97, 98. And I don't know if you remember that place. That was a small apartment too. I do. But that bedroom had kind of a flavor. I had posters. I had like a, my bookshelf. I actually had your old furniture from Marie Court. So like your desk with the shelves on it and yes, uh, the shelf yeah, yeah, over yeah. The, 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 the twin bed and all of that. I was wondering where that stuff, you're right. That was there. Yeah. So I had yeah, all yeah. that. And, and so that, that room had a little bit of a personality. I remember I had like a little basketball, Nerf basketball hoop. I would watch. I only got like channel 13 over the, the air in there. So I would just like watch TV and I, I would play all my PlayStation games on that little ass 13 inch TV. It's so funny when I think about it, I'm playing my games on like a 70 inch OLED, like a $3,000 TV now. And I didn't give a shit. I didn't know. Any, it. I think about this, you know, like when RGB plugs came out and you, you know, the, and Absolutely. I kept through the Dreamcast. So PS one, PS two and Dreamcast Holy would shit. buy the cable connector to plug into the back of the control. You know, you would plug in the cable into the box. The cable would run through the box and then you sure. would plug it into your console and then plug it into the back of the TV. For people that don't know what I'm talking about, you know where you put your cable into is where you used to have to connect everything yeah. that would play on the screen. Yep. So you would connect your NES or SNES and those used to come with those consoles. But by the time we moved on, to, I think PlayStation 1 was the first one and N64, the, 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 it was S-Video and, and the yellow, red, and white plugs. Yeah. And so you had to go buy those special. And uh, yeah, so I, I remember that too. But that's kind of where I'll leave it with those New England bedrooms. I want to throw it back to you because I'm really eager to hear about the second Neighbor Avenue room because I, I have a theory about this to kick it back over to you is that I know that my room in Neighbor Avenue was Care Bears themed. I remember. Yes. That. And so is this when you did the Return of the Jedi stuff when you yeah. moved rooms? So that's, yeah, that's that where that all came from, that whole redesign, that whole mantra. I see now. Absolutely. So, so yep. yeah, talk to me about this 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 room. And I, I'm especially curious with I just picture so many toys, G.I. Joe and Transformers and Star Wars and Mask and all these. They must have been, must have been wild times. Yeah, that, that was the room for all the toys for sure, which is interesting because I was a little older already. So <laughs> Peter Pan syndrome at full on full display at that point. Yeah, this is a this is a fun one for me to think back on because I had even forgotten, you know, I hadn't thought about that in a long time because all the memories sort of blend. But yeah, I had two different bedrooms in that house. And of course, the big event behind that was Colin's birth. So let me set, this, set, the, uh, set the scene for you guys a little Please. bit. Colin was born in October of 84. So this had already had to have been in place, say, by the summer prior that we all moved around. So our sister Allie, our younger sister Allie, had the bedroom where Colin would, that would become Colin's nursery. One of the interesting things about this is I have no recollection of what Allie's bedroom looked like 
at all. And mm. that was 10 years. You know, I had, I had known that room of hers from being four to 10 years old. I have no recollection of it whatsoever, except for the space, the general space I do remember. But that's interesting. I don't remember Allie's room. She has to remind me sometime what it looked like in there, the decor and the colors and all that. I'm not sure how it was decorated. I really have no recollection of it. And so Kyle was coming. So hence the big bedroom shift. And so what happened was I was in the biggest of the three bedrooms other than the master. So the plan was for me to move over to the room, the bedroom closer to the nursery and then Dana and Allie would come into the big room that I was just in. And they that's when they started sharing. And it was a big bedroom that I was in. It was a pretty luxurious size for a four, five, six, seven, eight, nine year old. But then the girls moved into that room. And then that little, the smallest bedroom at the front of the house, the nursery was created for Colin. And that had the Care Bear wallpaper. And then my dad did the Care Bear wrapping on the light switches and the outlets and the garbage can and the whole thing and Care Bear dolls. It was all Care Bear themed. Very cute. I'll never forget it. And then they did the Care Bear on the high chair for you downstairs. They cut out, you know, dad very masterfully cut the Care Bears out, very carefully plastered them on the high chair. Super cool. So, such vivid memories of you coming. It was so exciting. There was like, a time was, when people were excited I was around. It was so exciting because think about it. It was, they had already been, we, I was around for almost 11 years. I would be 11 years a couple of months after you were born. I'd be 11 years, turn 11. Dana was only a couple of years after me. Allie, I'm five years older then. She was born 78, 79. I always forget. 79. 79. So we had already been around. Things were kind of just rolling along for years. You know, there was no real excitement. This was a major upheaval in a good way. It was exciting. And it really was fortunate, actually, if I think back, because... I got the free upgrade to another room, like a big kid room at that age, at that pivotal age. I know very well because Graydon, my son, my youngest is at that exact age right now. And I see what he's going through with just wanting a change of scenery. You get a little older, your interests are changing, your taste is evolving. So I had that built into my life. So it was actually kind of cool that that happened that way. And I moved into this room. And yeah, my parents made it all Return of the Jedi. Return of the Jedi, 83, just a year prior. I was super, obviously, that was my bread and butter. The, the sun rose and set with Star Wars. <laughs> Nothing changed there. So I had the, the Return of the Jedi bed sheets and bedding, the comforter, the curtains, the wallpaper. And then my dad did the same thing with the wallpaper. He wrapped my trash can. He wrapped the outlets, the light switches, all of that stuff. Super fun. And it was funny because I really was thinking about that room, the wall color and stuff. I don't have the best recollection of that. And I was like, what was hanging on my walls, posters and stuff? I had so much more vivid memories of the room that I was moving out of. And then I remembered I wasn't allowed to hang anything on those walls. That was part of the stipulation with the wallpaper. So you can't destroy the wallpaper. All I was allowed to hang posters on was I had the closet with the sliding doors the one closet it wasn't a walk-in just a conventional closet and it had the plastic doors so that was the one caveat i could hang posters on that and i would constantly change them out because i only had those two surfaces and i remember finally landing on a rambo poster first blood part two that classic sly with the rpg launcher covered in mud with the headband I had that poster on that closet for the longest time. I love that poster so much. 
But that was pretty much the only thing I was allowed to hang. And the main thing about this room, Kyle, was the toys. Because now my toy playing and toy collecting was in full bloom. Because it wasn't just Star Wars through the three films, now on Return of the Jedi. But now it was G.I. Joe. That was in full effect. Transformers and then Mask would eventually come while I was still in that room. And I had a giant shelf walking into that room on the right-hand side that I kept all my toys on. And the funny memory, and a little bit Playmobil into the mix. There was definitely, Playmobil was like a fifth, less important, but still present thing that I was getting into. And that that shelf accommodated all my toys, except for like the super large vehicles, like the uh, G.I. Joe, the killer whale, like that giant hovercraft that couldn't really fit. So I had it on the floor right in front of the shelf. But the funny memory was, yeah, that was really where I waged all those campaigns playing on the floor with this stuff for hours, whether it was just me, whether it was me and Tommy on the weekends. Sometimes we were in my room. Sometimes we were at his house. But not only that, but the funny memory I had was, and again, talk about OCD, right? This is where it really started for me in this room. It would take me as long to clean up the toys as it took me to play with them because I was so methodical about putting everything in its right place. And for, I remember being relieved about this as kid, as a kid because my Star Wars figures had, a, had cases. I had two cases. So I was able to kind of just put them in there and not think about it. But the G.I. Joes, I never had cases for. So I would have to put the G.I. Joes standing up along the top shelf of that specific piece of furniture. And it took me forever, dude. And I would have to do it. Like everything would have to be beautifully appointed for the next time I was going to play. And it was for no reason. And don't even ask me how they didn't fall from the vibration of the floor when I walked by and stuff like that. You know, it was just like putting everything up there and everything. Star Wars had its own level. G.I. Joe had its own level. Transformers had their own level. And sometimes, you know, I would try to mix it up. Sometimes I would have the Transformers in their alt modes. Sometimes I would have them in their vehicle modes, you know, whatever it was, whatever was easier. But I remember being aggravated as a kid a little bit. Like I kind of half enjoyed it and half was like, it was almost like I felt compelled to do this. And it was really where my OCD started. And I don't, I don't tell a lot of people about this, but why not? In the spirit of candor, right? I don't even know if you know about this. This specific bedroom reminds me of this because I was getting a little older and it's that age, at least for, for my generation, where you first get your clock radio. For some reason... You're in junior high now. School's a little earlier. Your parents aren't getting you up. It's your job to get up. Set the clock radio. That was a thing. Set it to your radio Yeah, station. I remember that actually getting Right? That's too. a yeah. big, yeah. that's a milestone for mm-hmm. a kid. But for some reason, I don't, and I don't know what was, I was a relatively anxious kid. I don't think I was too disturbed, but I was definitely, I definitely had anxiety, right? I was sensitive, all that kind of stuff. And I don't know what was going on specifically at this time in my life, everything was pretty harmonious if if I think about it in retrospect, but it's really where my OCD started where I would be messing with the light switches and counting and I would do this thing with the clock radio and the clock radio for some reason is where, to my best recollection, everything got set off. I would have to check it a million times, set it before I go to bed, I'm laying there I would have to check it a bunch of times, a specific amount of times, and I would have to light it up a couple amount, you know, a couple of times. And it was all because that whole thing of being afraid something bad's going to happen if you don't go through this ritual. 
right? Yeah, I can relate. Dude, yeah. I spent years thinking that was unique to me, right? I remember later on, maybe I was in my teens or something, having my mind blown when I was like, wait, that's a thing that other people do? Like, I'm not this... I am a crazy person, but there's other people that are also just as crazy as me. And I remember, it just reminds me, the whole thing blends really with my OCD, with my toys, because I do remember the feeling of like, being like this is making me a little miserable. Like I, I'd rather just kind of throw caution to the winds and just put the toys away and go do something fun. But again, that OCD, and I guess there's a lot of people out there that could, that could speak to this, being compelled to do it that way. And then I remember still while I was in this room, before we moved to Brookhaven when I was, I was 13 at the time. So somewhere in that time of being 10, 11, 12 years old, I just gave up being like that because it was really making me crazy. <laughs> I remember having that one moment where I was like, look, it's worth the risk. I have to stop doing this. Like if something bad happens, I remember thinking like, if something bad happens, it's worth the risk. I can't do the light switch 50 times. I can't. <laughs> so it's like and that reminded me of the clock I would drive myself crazy with that clock radio at night I would dread going to bed because I would have to do this preconceived ritual a certain amount of times and it reminds me too that I was such an insulated kid because I really wasn't demonstrative I didn't tell mom and dad about my issues you know what I mean like that I let that I harbored that for the better part of two or three years, maybe even just thinking, all right, like this is some weird thing. Like it's a tick. I'm like a little bit crazy. I don't know the best way you could wrap your mind around it as an 11 year old. Right. Because I'm not thinking too, I'm, I can't articulate it. It's just like this thing that seems to be my nature and I have to do this. And it's just a big part of my experience of living in that bedroom. And then that funny realization of like, no, it's not just you. There's people with this personality or this disorder, whatever you want to call it. And being a little bit proud of myself that I, now listen, I'm OCD is the Colin used to make fun of me the way I got in my car and checked my dashboard. For instance, he would always tease me about that. Helene still teases me about it. And I still do a thing where digging would sometimes the seats would be so armor all that <laughs> I would get in and it, you like you just slip it's out of the seat. Out of the pleather seats in my old Toyota. <laughs> but I think, you know, I still am. I still have that nature, right? Like I would never, we talk about this on the show, I would never take a firecracker to my toys or just put, throwing, throw my G.I. Joes in the mud or whatever it is. Oh my God. Never, but, no. you know, having to break myself of that OCD that was kind of debilitating in a way. It was just really kind of like this hurdle that I had to overcome. And that bedroom is such a big part of that part of that memory of just getting over that part of myself, which is so funny. It wasn't just the toys and playing on the floor and enjoying that. I spent probably the most time in that room of any bedroom. Because when you're little, seven, eight, six, seven, eight, you're outside, you want to play and everything like that. I was really, this is when the nerd in me started to really take hold. And with the video games, with the toys, I mean, everything short of D&D, &D, which I have no idea how I didn't get into at this point. And I never really got into, which is another story for another time. But that's the thing. This is where really, I, we spent hours. Tommy and I spent hours in our bedrooms really doing, you know, these huge, episodic, epic 
adventures with especially gi joe and star wars that was huge transformers less so that was more for independent play and you know faking that i had transformers at the right, right yeah, yeah. <laughs> well it's it's so i, I love hearing about the toys and because we, we kind of share that and also the ocd stuff i've never been as bad as you but i wonder if it is some sort of genetic thing because obviously i have that as well and there are certain things that have, have really awoken it in me. I, I think everyone knows trophies specifically with PlayStation games has totally, oh, that totally itches something in my mind. I'm a very complete player. I like to level yeah. up my characters. I like to do everything in a game. And this, they gave me this meta game that just tracks it all for you. And, and, and I've been obsessed with it since 2008. It's like insane. Like it just, I can't break it. You know, it was another OCD thing, OCD thing for me that's similar to you. I had to kind of say like, I can't do this anymore was when Foursquare was big. Do you remember that, that app? I do. Yeah. 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 Where you check into places and I become the mayor of these different places. And I would like get so obsessed with checking in and being present in these places. And I was like, like, oh man, I got to stop. I got to stop doing this. And there are other things. There are a lot of subtle things. I've said before, Micah makes fun of me about like how I straighten things out and, and she like just like stare at me as I'm like, I'm not even trying to be persnickety. I'm just doing those kinds of things. But really in the even numbers i keep all my numbers even like volume and all that kind of stuff unacceptable to have I do odd that too. number volume un- unacceptable to have odd number temperature in the house unacceptable you still do to- that yeah yeah oh yeah to this day i do too 10 Same 12 thing. 14 16 like those are the volumes of tv 64 66 68 70 like those are the, the temperatures like there's there's that's no never a thing listen we never discussed that we both have it right so exactly. what that's what i'm saying that? i wonder you know i wonder if it's it's, if it's something strange yeah, yeah something in us and it doesn't seem like it manifests with the girls or like anyone else. No, but I, less so, at least much less so, I would say. But I, I can I can totally. And when I was a hockey player, I did weird shit, too. I, I've said it before. I used to write things on the bottom of my skates. I would jump over the blue lines when I would skate around before a game. I, I had a bunch of like weird rituals and I don't know what that was all about. Uh, it, I've kind of I've kind of gotten out of some of that stuff where I'm not as crazy. I said before. And God, it's really sad when you think about it psychologically because it's so obvious what I'm actually like saying as a kid. But I, I've told, I've said before that I used to make Dad promise me that he would see me in the morning, right? Yes. Like before I before I go to bed, like I love you, you, Dad. I love you that. too. See you in the morning. Okay, promise. Yes, that's like that was the thing. I had to make him promise that. I, and thinking back on it, it's like, man, that's sad. That's some sad shit. That isn't and, really a touching. And. uh I, I, I've been talking to Micah about it. Like, I'm not ready to do it yet because I really, first of all, it's, it would take a lot of time, but I want to do it one day and money too. But is I want to do like deep psychoanalysis. Like one day, just be like, I'm going to do this three days a week for a year and like, and, and just make it hurt. You know, just like, let's fucking go. <laughs> We're going to do this. Let's do this. Yeah, let's do it. Like, I want to dredge up as much as possible. It let's would touch be memories that have no tether to life anymore and, and dig those out of the grave. You know, and, and so on and so do forth. Do you think you could? Do you think in doing that, that they could pull things out that you literally do not remember? Right? Yes, now? I do. I that's do a that. scary but very interesting notion for me. There, there's a, there are people, and again, I always bring up these same people, like Sam Harris, all these like academics I listen to. Is some they talk? I think it's Lex Friedman that talks about this very specific thing where like they can just pull memories out of you. You know, like that's amazing. It's with all this different, these different techniques and hypnosis and meds and all these different things like that, okay, they can get shit out of you. Truth serum, that kind of stuff, you know, well, not that that's the specific thing, but there's something to that. Yes. And so I, I often think about that and it, it is, it is sad. And I would really like to, when I have the bandwidth in my life, which I do not have right now, it should just be like, let's just fucking do it. 
You know, like, let's go. It's the same reason I, I hate this. Well, I don't care. I mean, whatever. I'm 37 years old. It's like, I really want to do acid and stuff like that at some point just to because there's people that really swear you like get in touch with parts of your body and your mind and stuff that you just don't even know exist and aren't there. And I want to, you know, Steve Jobs is a big advocate of that, too. I really yeah. want to. There's no coincidence to me. I don't think that some of the smartest people that I know of are all in the psychedelics and that there's a part of me that wants to unlock that part of my brain too. Maybe, maybe Isn't the, that interesting, dude, like yeah. these chemicals could allow you to access ideas, parts of your mind, whatever that you can't otherwise access. It's fascinating. It is yeah. fascinating. It's just for me, it's too, it you have a different, you have a more adventurous personality than me. I'm, I would let the fear hold me back. Where you're right, you, more, I'd be more, more like Roger Serling in the uh, in the situation where I'm like writing <laughs> my fucking like Roger yeah, where I'm like writing my name <laughs> on a piece of paper and putting it in my pocket. Oh my god, classic! But uh, yeah, so th- maybe one day, I'll, and I, I guess I am a little adventurous, but I just I I'm curious. And what's so weird about that is that there, it's all in there, it's all inside of you, and you it's just can't get to it. It's just. Your mind is purging things all the time and and finding new ways to make quicker connections. And, you know, Sam Harris talks a lot about that, about just getting rid of data constantly and just and it. But there's just remnants. Yeah. That, purging. The, the, like your mind knows that it can't remember things. Your mind also protects you from remembering certain things. Yes. Your mind turns things off for a reason. Like it, I definitely it, have that. There are a couple of bad things that have happened to me, I would say, in my life where it's like where I, I, I have gone years without thinking about it, you know, and then like it's like. And you're like, oh, shit. Yeah. Defense. And like brings you and it bring like you just remember it one day. And it's like, oh, my God. Is that like, funny? And what fired what that fuck? to the surface? Right. Right. It's like, right. Yeah. it's so interesting to me, like all, all that stuff. Now, if you do that, I don't want to stay on this for too long, but we'll go off on a tangent. But if you do that, would the idea be healing and feeling better or just sheer curiosity of what? You're suppressing or not remembering both or, or are a combination. It would be good to get into a room with someone and be completely honest about everything that you yeah. think, everything, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, everything you feel like. I don't think. I don't think anyone exists in anyone's life, per se, where you can just be like, I'm going to say everything to you now, like no holds barred. That's a great point. And there's no there's no one in my life I would do that to no one. Yeah, there's just no now. Maybe if you take people and put a little Venn diagram over them, that like it makes a whole circle when you get around to saying everything to everyone. Like you'll say a little bit of this to this person, and you'll say a little bit of this, and there's some sort of holistic picture. But I don't even think so, you know. And I love that idea. I love that idea of because it's scary as fuck. Be like, okay, like let's do it, and just go back to the very beginning. You got a uh, movie here, I think. First of all, yeah, maybe or a whole whole series. I can barely write my fucking game. So <laughs> let's take it easy. One thing at a time. All right. The last bedroom I'll, I'll talk about is the bedroom that I lived in probably least or near least, but that was most formative to me. And that's the bedroom you're bringing up on Woodland Avenue. I moved in to that room in 98, in the summer of 98 and left full time at the end of 2002 when I went to college or the end of summer of 2002 when I went to Boston. And obviously I would touch you know come touch and go for years after that but that those were the four years i i lived there full time and this room i think went through phases first of all this is a this is an interesting room so you walk into our house on woodland avenue right through the front door nothing to the left it's just a wall the stairs are right in front of you you go up the stairs there's a bathroom right in front of you and then to the left is one room and to the right is another room and that's it then everything else is downstairs 
and my room was on the right. And uh, but I basically had domain over the entire upstairs. Allie's room was on the left, but she was never home. And then she never lived there and she was older and all that. So I had my own bathroom and like my own situation upstairs. It was actually quite nice. And this room went through multiple phases. I think it went through like a childhood phase. And then I think it went through a more adult phase. And what's interesting is that so I loved Star Wars too, like Dagan did, and I was obsessed with Star Wars from I became really obsessed with it when the toys came back out in ninety five, but I was into yeah. Star Wars probably since the late eighties or early nineties, but I would say it really took over when the Power of the Force two figures came out. Right on through when I was in college and the prequels ruined everything. And I coveted this shelf in New Hampshire at this like this I don't know. I don't know what it was. It was like this depot that dad used to go to buy random things. And there was this amazing shelf that used to like hold CDs, I think, at like a music store. And I just wanted it. And I was like, this would be perfect for my Star Wars figures. It was like these little slots. And dad ended up buying it for me after like a year of me begging for it. It was just sitting in this place. And that was like a that was like installed basically in my room upstairs. And I put all my GI or my Star Wars figures in each slot. And it was just ridiculous. I loved it. And I had named plates kind of printed out for them and and then dad took fishing wire and hung all my ships in the room so dad put like this huge piece of like you know this like piece of wood across the center of the ceiling and then put hooks on it and he hung like my falcon my x-wing my tie fighter a wing so cool um i'm trying to think of what else so it, i'm trying to think it was a slave one. Oh yeah b wing maybe and yeah so like and and there were a few things i couldn't hang and then on my dresser i had like an adat an atst the speeder you know the speeder bike and like the land speeder and all this kind of stuff i just had gi joe shit everywhere or star wars i keep saying gi joe star wars stuff everywhere and so that was kind of like part of the first phase of that but then as i got a little older i got out of star wars really beginning with the episode one but by episode two which came out when i was in 12th grade i was like i can't stand this anymore (laughs) so a lot of that stuff came down and I guess I should describe the room a little bit better, too. You walk into the room and it's one of those slanted ceiling rooms that then yeah. meets at the top as a horizontal line. And then it goes down on the other end, you know, along with the roof. And I had like a skylight in my room, which was awesome. That was so nice. And it was this beautiful old tree out in the backyard. And you should have this like vision of it. And uh, I just had Star Wars stuff hung everywhere. P- posters galore. I had some baseball posters. And all the rest. I even had a Darth Maul cu- cardboard cutout, as a, you might remember, that I got for. I do. That was yeah. like in the corner of my room for a while. I love that. And then I had this like blue seat that was in our living room, I think. You know, it was like a blue, one of those blue, it was like a soft fabric and it had like the gold yes. studs. Oh my God, in it. I forgot about that chair. And I, I used to sit in that and play games. That was like someone's chair at some point. I had a basic bed. One piece that was really key was that I had a drum kit in my room. My my drum kit was just in the corner of my room the entire time I was there, which was awesome. And dad built, as I, you might recall, dad just kind of built this shelf for me just out of some scraps that ended up, ended up being my TV stand. And I had like this old TV on it and I had these Lego boxes stacked up next to the TV so I can turn the TV and it could face my computer monitor so I can be on my computer and be playing games at the same time. So it was just awesome. this really ghetto. I was like, there's pictures of it too. It's like textbooks under it. It's so funny. <laughs> and, and then uh, over time, I think it became a little more simplistic. And this is where I really wanted to get into the philosophy of bedrooms because uh, 
I was really heavily influenced by like my friends and what they were doing in their rooms and I always tried to replicate it, but I can never do it like properly. I remember, for instance, my friend Brian across the street, Brian Myers had pictures of people like friends, like us on, you know, moments like on his wall. And I was like, I want to do that. I don't take pictures and put it on my wall, my friends. But I was like, it was a thing I just did for a little while and then I stopped doing it. Or I remember I was like talking to this girl in high school and she in her room, she had like candles and like wax on things. So like, I remember like pouring wax all over like my, and my clock radio and like all that's like, awesome and all this kind of stuff. But then it never really stuck. I remember my friend Louise, who I used to BMX with had like, she's like a really messy room. And I tried to replicate that being like, I'm going to just throw things on the ground. I'm not going to clean. And it just, it got so OCD for me. I would bring my BMX in there and like hang it on the wall and try to like make it like more lived in. And I just, I couldn't do that. Every time I kind of encountered this other philosophy of the way people did their rooms, I was like, I like this philosophy, but for some reason it just never worked for me. And, and a key component to that, well, maybe there were two of them was, first of all, like you said, I had a computer in my room and this began in 1999, I think. And it was, and that was a big deal in 1999 and it was awesome. I mean, that was a game changer. I don't think that I would be where I am today without that opportunity to just sit on the computer for fucking hours and do nothing. Now, you were talking about your own phone line. I used to occupy the phone line. And then without me asking, this is one of those random dad moves. He was like, I got I came home one day and he's like, we've got you a phone line in your room, like your own phone line. That's amazing. And shocking. Right. And I was like, what? And it was it was ama- <laughs> it was because usually it was a problem. Usually there was a problem of some sort. I, I talk about how dad dad's 486 crashed in like 98 or 99. And he just blamed me for it. I'm like, I didn't I do anything on your that. computer, dude. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> You don't know anything about these computers. You're blaming me for it. So, but a funny story is that in this, in the, um, in 2001, now this is fucking karma. Okay. In 2001, my, we were in a rainstorm and this used to happen to, to uh, people's modems. I don't know if people remember this, but if you're, if there was a, a lightning strike, you could fry your modem by being connected to the internet with a That's phone so line. Crazy. And of. that happened to my modem and my Sony Vio. And this happened to me when I was in 11th grade and it happened to me when I was going to 112 video, which was a famous video store on Long Island Best. to rent a bunch of PlayStation games to copy them. <laughs> and then I came home and my modem was fried. So it was like a Shit. total, total karma situation for me. Dude, that's cr- That is karma. Yeah. Yeah. And I uh, agree. Because, oh, oh my God, we were going crazy with that. Because you have to remember 99, 98, 99, 2000, this yep. was CDRW fucking central. Yeah, I remember my friend Kevin, when his dad was the first one that got a CDRW, I think 2X or something. So it took forever to copy a CD. I was like, this is a fucking, this is revolutionary. I mean, a lot of people were like, oh, we're copying music. My like, music, who cares? We can copy PlayStation Dreamcast games on this thing. You know, especially Dreamcast games, because I don't know if you remember, you could just take Dreamcast games, copy them, and then just put the copy disc in the Dreamcast and it worked. It's so You didn't have to do anything to it. That's why the Dreamcast failed. <laughs> Just you don't have to do anything out of those because games. they didn't they didn't think that anyone was gonna be able to copy CDs like that. You know, it's so amazing. so I love I love little shit like that. What but that so that room reminds it's a lot of video games, a lot of FAQ writing, a lot of I remember get, when I finally bought my Sony Trinitron in 2000 in the summer of 2000. That's when I got cable in my room. So it was like it was so exciting to have that. And I, I don't know if you remember, I had this huge poster of cloud on my on my oh, from yeah, Final Fantasy seven on my on my door. I have some cool shit from back in the day that was like that I got from like game stores. I have a bunch of Final Fantasy seven stuff that I basically I have a Final Fantasy seven poster where it says, like, do not underestimate the power of PlayStation, which is a picture of cloud on it, which is like oh, super so cool. cool. It's probably just from EB games or something. And I used to just go in there and take shit from them. Yeah, they would give you the stuff back then if you asked. Yeah, they didn't give a shit. 
Like, it just people just it was just not the same frame of mind as it is today. I don't know what that was all no, about, but we were totally a little bit ahead of the game with that. So I would start like grabbing to and fro. So I have some of that cool stuff too. I have like Nintendo signs, like World of Nintendo signs, and like I've said before, that are just straight out of NES. So cool, like game holders and all this. That kind of stuff people would never leave behind now, but that you like for some reason just couldn't give shit like that away. I think I got those at an antique store. So okay. So yeah, it, I wanted to just bring. Oh, there's a lot there, like the the computer, the TV, also the experiences in that room. A lot of funny moments with watching funny movies with you and others. You know, moments with girls. You know, frankly, lost my virginity in that room, right? Like, I was so there's like ask that whole about th- that whole element that to it. Yeah, and uh, God, imagine having sex and just looking to your side, and there's just a shelf of, you know, it's like it's like the sarla. It's like the fucking. <laughs> it's like dengar and and the gamorian guards staring back at you it's probably probably i love that i love the blending of the two things because it's such a it's such a bittersweet memory of having you still have those things that are evocative of being a little kid but then you have the you know girls and yeah you playing your drums and Mm -hmm. maybe smoking little doobies oh yeah i used to box out that room all the time all that yeah the the drinking i don't know if we ever really drank in that room but i used to smoke in that room all the time i I I had like a little bubbler and I would just blow it out the skylight. It was perfect. And I don't I don't know if dad ever knew, although I what I do remember is that dad was gone. Dad used to date this girl in new upstate New York, so he would leave for like days at a time. Oh, I was co- wow. and, and I used to or Marsha, you right. might probably remember her. I do. And uh so I remember when I was in college, I came home and I was dating that the same girl I dated throughout college and I knew dad was going to be home for days. So I was just boxing out the bathroom upstairs with my girlfriend at the time and Mike Pope, my best friend at the time. And then Allie came home and was like, she's like, you're such a fucking dirt bag. <laughs> you had Which to run to the place. Yeah, I was I thought it was a start. I remember that memory so <laughs> clearly. She's like, it just fucking reeks in here. Allie like was in school at the time. So she was. Yeah, at I, no, I think she might have just been like out, you know, like in early professional life. I don't yeah, know exactly yeah. What that's probably closer to yeah that's right so yeah there's a lot of a lot of interesting times in that also the window out of that room went off to the roof of the garage which i used to go on to sometimes once in a while did you do that Um, yeah and uh it was harder to do as i got older because we had an air conditioner in there but i used to have just uh those like shitty fans that don't do anything just like blowing hot air around it's like completely useless oh and you could just take that out easily and go out there so yeah, a lot of interesting memories, but just being in that corner on that desk, the sh- it was not a computer desk. I had just the the sh- the drawer pulled out with the keyboard in the drawer. I remember, and I was just clickety clacking away on that thing and just watching TV and playing games. And there are pictures of that room off the. Uh, they're probably on Instagram or something. I don't really use Instagram anymore, but there's a lot. There are a lot of memories of that room, and and uh, it's funny how truncated it was in four years. And I often wonder if I just had the experience of having lived in one space the entire time, how that would have gone. And I think we kind of saw the end result, but I, I loved the struggle of the philosophy. I'll always remember that of just being like, I want to be cool or I want to have pictures of my friends. I want to be messy. And it's just so, and I just, it, just nothing. I, it was just, I got to be myself. I have to do what I have to do in my own room, which is kind of the way it fell. So that's what I remember most about that. But that's the, uh, the final bedroom memory I have. Dave, let's kick it over to you for, I, I really want to hear about your Marie courtroom because this is your chance to kind of refresh like and and you were cognizant yeah. so I, I i'm curious like how much input you had i remember your gray rugs and your gray walls i'm wondering if you had anything to do with that and i'm i'm, I'm talking a little bit about about the the final room of your childhood yeah this is this is a, a special one because this was my first you know quote unquote big kid 
slash teenage room bedroom and it would be my last ever bedroom under our parents roof so this was the last of a trifecta or maybe four bedrooms you could you could argue end of an era and dude i love what you said about trying to glean inspiration from your friends bedrooms that's so funny to me because i think back to doing that too and my friend tommy it was kind of difficult because as, as I've said a million times, sweetest dude in the world had everything. So literally had every vehicle and every action figure in triplicate, well, in duplicate and every single thing from every single toy line that we dug. So I could never model my environment after him because it would be impossible. We just didn't have the same means. And then my friend John, this is an interesting one. And as soon as you start talking about this, I start thinking about his bedroom growing up, especially as early teens, junior high and high school, because he, I don't know if you remember John's bedroom, but he had a very minimalist setup and his parents were very persnickety, speaking of that, and neat and very methodical with everything in their place. But they had a very feng shui thing going on where there was no clutter. Everything was very tidy. Everything was just so, and there wasn't too much of anything. And John's bedroom was really, really minimalist. I mean, he had basically his bed split in the center of the room, like you would say. And he had an old PC in there. Not an old PC. It was relatively new for the time. I don't know if it was a Commodore or whatever, an Amiga, whatever it was. So we would play the PC games upstairs. And then eventually he got a really nice stereo when he got slightly older, maybe 13 or 14, and his dad built the speakers into this wainscoting, this wood paneling in the wall. And then he had his dresser and he might've had like two shelves, maybe, maybe each shelf was 16 inches long, mounted on the wall. And then he would have a couple of choice transformers. Like I remember he had one shelf and he had like Inferno hoist and wheel jack on it or something. And I would get so frustrated because like, dude, you have so many transformers. Why are they in the closet? You know what I mean? But he had a very minimalist sensibility. And I remember thinking it was his parents' influence, but it wasn't. He was just very, he was like very, um, he was kind of an old man about it. Like he was really ahead of his years just with his sensibilities. Very sophisticated for a young kid, but he really liked it like that. You know, he had a, we collected vinyl when we got a little older. He had so many albums he would have one album that he was really excited about, an EPMD album or De La or whatever it was, whatever we were listening to at that time. He was really into house music. So he would have that one thing, that one album out in front of his stereo, and the rest of the albums would be hidden behind those wood panels, that wainscoting. It was so interesting, and I just, I was more, I wanted to display the stuff I had. I wanted to enjoy it. I wanted to look at it, and he was different. You know, he was just, he had a different again, like you were saying, philosophy with how he wanted his surroundings. He inspires me now with that. I wish I had more of that. I had another friend, Chris, who had a very similar thing where everything had to be very clean and not a lot of things in sight. He would rather have everything in storage and just see one or two choice things, which I get. But yeah, this room for me, this last bedroom in Marie Court in Brookhaven, I was 13 years old when we moved in. This was 1987. And I was there until I was 20, until I left for college. I left for college a couple of years late. I took a year and a half off of, of uh, school, between high school and college. 
So the one thing that I remember, the first thing I remember about being in Brookhaven was, and I may have mentioned this on a previous episode, but we moved to a very rural place. Brookhaven is very rural, on the water. It's much less built up than where we were in Medford. Now it's only six, seven, five, six, seven miles away from where we were. It's not far. But it is amazing to think back, even in retrospect, how Medford was much more suburban and built up when we moved in the late 80s to, compared to where we were. And I remember being, it was a much larger house. I remember being really kind of stymied at night of how quiet it was. You just didn't have the din of the cars. We lived right near a major thoroughway. Um, was that Woodside? Woodside Avenue? Yes. That ran through the developments. So you'd have the constant churning, the cars, the engine noises and stuff all through the night. And we just didn't have that in Brookhaven. It was literally so quiet there. You just had the nature sounds, the frogs, whatever you heard, the birds. The distant play. train once in a while. You know. Distant train. Yeah. Yeah. Not, and not too far off that train, but that was the Montauk line and it didn't run Seldom that used. much. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Yeah, exactly. A less used Long Island Railroad train line. So I remember that being a big part of the equation for me, especially early on, the first six months to a year of being there. And when I first moved into the room too, it was a beautiful bedroom, but I remember, you know, for a long time, it was just wood floors in there. And just the whole atmosphere of how the sound sort of, the the effect of the sound and the acoustics in that room. Oh, I don't just, remember that. So, so it yeah. was, when you moved in, it was all hardwood upstairs? It was hardwood. Remember. Yeah, for a that. while, yeah. actually, yeah. for a little while. And it, that whole thing sort of played into how every you just heard all the noises, the size of the house, the environment, that rural, and really in the woods, you know, they built our cul-de-sac when they built our house. So, and there was only, what, six houses in that mm. cul-de-sac. So, and there were other houses around, but they were very spread out. And then one side of the road was a nature preserve, so it was just woods, and then that's back to the bay and the water and then eventually you had the ocean on the other side of that. So it was really it was really different than what we were used to in Medford, which is a typical, more typical, conventional, you know, suburban environment. And by the time I moved in there, skateboarding was almost happening. It was close. Like we moved in there, let's say in the fall of 87, by spring of 88, I was fully invested in skateboarding. So that room, to me, I remember one of my big memories. Now, there was two layouts of that room. There was the layout when I moved in that probably through kind of took effect through most of high school or maybe 13 through 17. And then the second state of the room was 17 through 20 when I, when I moved. But that first iteration of the room was interesting because it was the first time I ever had new furniture in my life. You had talked about that desk. I had a brand new dresser and a brand new desk when we moved in there. It was the first time I ever had furniture. Now, prior to that, it was sort of mismatched furniture, a dresser, a desk that I had from the time I was four until the time I was 13 that I did my homework in elementary school and most of junior high. So having the new furniture was kind of cool. And just having that whole new setup, the wood floors, it was the first time I had a drafting table. I got a nice big drafting table. I was already getting really into art. That was in the room. But one of the most dynamic visual memories I have of that room is just plastering the walls 
with pulled out magazine pages from Thrasher magazine, from Transworld Skateboarding magazine. So the various skateboarding ads and photos that literally were eventually just covered most of my walls, three out of four walls like wallpaper. I mean, all my favorite things. And I wish I had pictures of that room. I have no photos of anything in that era. PJ and I always lament that we don't have any photos of skateboarding at all in high school yeah. or video. We we just, nothing is documented. You know, we could be lying about the entire thing. Yeah, it's it's, it's totally different back then. I think it that's really was totally huge gaps in my life that are unrecorded. Isn't it? And isn't it funny how it just kind of flies in the face and how drastically different it is with something like Instagram where... The whole purpose of doing it is to document it almost, right? You, That's it, kind of the reason why it, I was true. doing it after a while and I've just stopped doing it now. But yeah, it was just like, it's like a little history of Absolutely. where I've been. And I wish, I, I agree, man. It's, it's, there's something really romantic about being from the last generation that ever did, that ever knew that though. That there's, it's just not possible anymore. It's, it's actually very avant-garde to be like that today which yeah is cool, that's true you know? and again it's there's a black rare. mirror episode that gets into all of that which is awesome about about like kind of eschewing technology in, a, in an era when it it begs you to and i get a little annoyed like when i went out to brunch with mom and Allie and dana and mom's like let's get a picture and i'm like can't we just be you know like <laughs> but anyway go on i'm sorry it's true it's it's hard to shrug off technology when it's kind of become inevitable but i wish we had some sort of balance there i wish we knew well enough. We had the druthers to know, like, we should be, we're going to talk about this in 30 years and it's going to be all subject to memory and storytelling. Yeah. These, these were the, and good we're old forgetting days. so much. Oh, definitely. You know? And then we also, a big, a lot of the people, this is a sad part of it. And I don't mean to go down this road, but a lot of the people that were there that were a part of it, that were, you know, that could help remember and tell these stories are gone. Like PJ's parents. So it's like, you don't even have those people anymore that, could remind you of certain things, certain events, certain things that transpired, um, whatever it was, you know, happy memories. So that's, that sucks. And I, I always lament that, but it was so cool to just have that room and just surround myself with skateboarding and the things I loved. And it was the first room where I also had my anime posters, which I got from all those cons, those conventions. And I had the Akira poster above yeah, the drafting table which Neo Tokyo is about to explode I remember that poster very yeah much. remember yeah. that yeah such a big part of what you wake up looking at every day I had a bubblegum crisis poster and a gal force poster and a gun buster poster like above my dresser so my bed was facing that so I would wake up looking at those images every day and you know I had my first stereo which is really just a glorified boom box with detachable speakers and I might've had dual cassettes so I could dub. And that was before, of course, Aunt Joni moved to Hawaii and gave me her stereo. I inherited her beautiful stereo a little later on. And then I think of silly things like my pet scorpion Wellington, right. I Wellington. had in that room. And I remember the wood, it helps me remember the wood floor era before any kind of carpeting was put in that room because mom would say that she could hear him clinking because I would, I would dump him out on the floor. You couldn't handle him was an emperor scorpion supposedly deep poisoned but who right knows? who the hell knows i would just dump him out and let him go around the floor and then sort of whisk him away into a corner so i could like get him back kind of squeeze him back into the thing and then put he couldn't be out of there too long because they needed the heat and it got cold in the winter times and stuff Especially but that you know there was funny memory there was a one funny memory that was kind of a stressful memory that i have associated with this room and it was the first, the previous bedroom I had in Medford before we moved was my most well-lit bedroom with natural light because I had, 
it was the front of the house and it had two side-by-side windows. So a lot of that whole wall was basically window. And I remember how much light came in. This bedroom in Brookhaven was relatively dark, although I had a window on the side of the house and a window on the front of the house because I was on the front corner. Didn't get a lot of light. And also the trees were there. We had a line of trees there that divided the road from the cul-de-sac. So that probably was a little prohibitive for natural sunlight to come through. But I do remember the road was right there on the other side of my wall, basically. And, you know, I talked about this before with high school. I was going through a very irresponsible age with everything. Like, I didn't want to do homework. I didn't want to be bothered with school. Like, I wanted to play video games, skate. I didn't, I worked because dad held my feet to the fire. And I I worked. I went to work. I showed up on time. I rarely called out sick. I did a good job. But that was dad sort of exerting his influence on me. But for the most part, I was just trying to do nothing. Like I was kind of, I kind of realized, I had the foresight in high school to realize like, this is it, dude. Like you're going out into the real world, enjoy it now. And really the whole thing was hedonism. And I had friends that were very much like that, like PJ, who God bless him, I love him for this, but he didn't help. I mean, he's the biggest hedonist I've ever met. Right. (laughs) You know? And then my friends, Adam, we all had the same attitude. It was just like, we want to enjoy ourselves. So the bus would come in the morning when I was in high school. So starting in ninth grade and I missed the bus a lot in high school. Now, mom had started to work. She wasn't a stay at home mom anymore. Around the time I was 15, I want to say she was already doing the flight attendant thing. Dad was doing what he always did. He was commuting to Brooklyn, doing the tours. He was, you know, still doing the firefighter thing. He worked a lot. He worked side jobs. So it was really up to me in the morning to get my ass out of bed and get on the bus. And I missed it a lot. And I would have to walk to school, which was, would you say a good mile, Kyle? Oh, more than from, that, I would think. From my house yeah. to school. Maybe, maybe a mile. Yeah, I would say maybe more than two. That. Yeah. It's, or skate. Pretty, Beaver, Beaver, Beaver Dam is pretty long. That's a long stretch. Long. Yeah. Right? You'd have to get Old Stump, old stump and then Beaver, Beaver Dam, Dam was a big stretch. Yeah. That was yeah. a big stretch. Scary at night, by the way. Yeah, it's awesome. I, would I mean, I love, I love that shit. It's that's that's Long Island, man. You know that, and that no was, lights, no lights, no lights, yeah. no sidewalks, no street lights. You had the lights nope. from the houses. There was no businesses. There was nope. the library. That was it. I loved, I loved it. I loved it. Um, very scary at yeah, night. You know, not oh yeah, it's horrifying. When I would come back from Eric's or someone's, that I'd be like fucking biking, like. <laughs> And that's kind of the thing when you're you're life. playing the game with yourself where it's like, oh my God, I got it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I did that so many nights, dude. Yeah. So many nights. But so that was a big part of it for me was just having that stress of, you know, really not, I was late to school a lot, I would say in 10th and 11th grade. And I think 11th grade, I was really not doing well. Like I was concerned that I wasn't going to graduate and I had complete power over it, but I just refused to do anything about it. You know, like I didn't do my homework 90% of the time. You know, I was just like, whatever, I'll just take, like the teacher's going to be pissed. I'll just take it. Like it was really bad. And the only thing that saves me as I think back was that my friend John got his license when we were seniors somewhere in between, you know, in the summer between our junior and senior years. And he would pick me up in the morning and drive me to school. And that was probably the only reason or one of the reasons that, I got to school on time as a senior that coupled with the fear of summer school. I was terrified of having to do. Summer yeah, I was school. always scared of that, too. It, terrified. Like, I don't know if mom and dad were just lording that over me. Like, <laughs> summer school. Like, oh man, what is summer But school? the bus would be out the window a lot. 
I don't think I've ever really talked about this to too many people. The bus would be out. My I'd still be in bed. It's not I was even up, like get my bowl of cereal, grab my backpack, like, oh, wait, just one second. Like I was 40 minutes behind schedule. <laughs> you know, the bus would come and go, it would stop every morning and just go again. And that I, it reminds me that being in that room reminds me of that period of my life. And the other one was kind of me and dad butting heads over a poster I had, which maybe when this episode goes up for Patreon, I'll post a link to the image because I was looking earlier today on Google. So it was a skate photo, Shorties, which started out as a skate hardware company. Now they're a full-on board company. But they had a, a girl who was their model that was in ads. Her name was Rosa. And there was one pull-out ad. I don't know if it was in Thrasher or Transworld magazine. And it was a pull-out horizontally format ad of her laying naked in a pile of shorties bolts. And it covered her privates, her boobs and her privates, but she was laying there naked in the, you know, in this big horizontal, I don't want to say spread, format and laying there in the shorties. Bolts. Oh yeah, I'm still looking at it now. Yeah, And remember, he yeah. made me take it off my wall. And I remember that was the only argument we ever really had. Now, I, I remember trying to reason with him. I was probably 16 at the time. And, you know, like, Dad, she's not even naked. Like, this is... It, I remember, now, listen. We didn't have the... Colin and I have mentioned this before on Knockback. We never had the birds and the bees talk with my mom and dad. It's just something that they didn't choose to do. I learned it in the schoolyard, baby. I learned it in the playground... on the, yeah, In the sump with the Playboy magazines that were stashed in the woods. Okay? Friends, my cousins, whatever. That's... I learned it on the streets. Okay? So... It was the first conversation I ever had with dad of that nature. And I remember how awkward it was. You know, you're just kind of hoping you're at that age. Totally. You're hoping the parents aren't really coming in the room that much. Our parents are very busy as well. Their marriage was also falling apart, unbeknownst <laughs> to us at that time. So that, you know, things were extra hectic. So... Or yeah, maybe about that time. This so hot, that dude. was I, the I, first I, conversation I had with dad about something of that nature. It reminds me later on, like I would see like dad, like taking a peek at like a chick jog, jogging down the street. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. That, right. That's a whole. And idea. I'd be like, oh shit. Like my, my dad's human. Like it was like one of those jarring things where it was like, oh, like my dad is not, he's, you know, he's a, he's a dad just like every other dad. He's great. He's a superhero in my eyes, but I'm pretty sure I just saw him steal a peek at that lady jogging down the street, right? In her spandex. Totally, yeah. It's it's, right. it's a disturbing realization. <laughs> it's I'm like, oh, this, my I'm parents this are girl human. now. She's she's hot in a um in like a forward thinking sort of way. Like she looks almost modern. Um, yeah, to, I like was just, thinking the same thing. Like I was her, thinking the and that was early '90s, mind you. Yeah, I could see by the late '90s. Yeah. And then a lot of companies, I think World Industries, she kind of became a model for World Industries. She was used really heavily in skateboarding. And I think I saw a contemporary picture of her. She still looks great. And she's got to be my age or a little younger. So that's saying a lot. But yeah, so that was, you know, and what else did I want to say about that room? Oh, and then sort of, that was the thing. And I think this is where dad and I sort of started butting heads because I, at around 17, late in, later in high school, I transformed that room, which was a very nice room. Nice layout, new furniture, you know, 13, 14, 15, fine. 
And then I started to want to sow my wild oats and express myself. So total college dormed it out. Took the mattress off the box spring. I don't even know where the box spring went. Put the mattress in the corner of the room. Brought in the TV so I could have the Super Nintendo in there. Again, no cable. So I couldn't watch television, but I could play the Super Nintendo and the NES in there. And the NES was in our basement for a long time. The SNES, we tried to hook it up in our family room, but Dana really, our sister Dana really took exception to that, which I understand. It was the only place we really could watch TV. So the Super Nintendo ended up in my room a lot. And I really, you know how much I love retro video games, right? It's my heart of hearts. But I blame the Super Nintendo, the Nintendo, the NES, and later the Super Nintendo later in high school, almost single-handedly for getting in the way of me and my schoolwork because there was no way I was going to do homework when I could play Final Fantasy 2 or when I could play Pilot Wings or when I could play the any I was still very much into NES at that point so and I would play Kyle junior and senior year in high school I would play until two hours before the bus game I'd be up till four in the morning sometimes that's when the that's when that sort of midnight oil late night Dagan thing started. And I think it was really a direct result of video games. Now it's for other things as well. And I, I've actually been good about this over the last few months. I'm dialing it back in my old age. But that is where those habits started. And it started with those nerd culture things, but especially video. You know, I would stay up and I had, that's another thing. I had the old, our hand-me-down sort of original top loader VCR in my room so I could pop in my anime VHS. I was already fully into the OAV anime thing starting in probably 10th grade, 9th or 10th grade. So that was another thing I could I had in my room that was exciting. At least it was a step up from just video games. I didn't have cable, but now I could at least watch my videos. There's so, that's it's so funny, man. I'm still I still have this mental thing with cable. I, I have cable still. And I never watch it. I watch football. That's it. And yeah. maybe like if there's a news item happening or something. But I otherwise, that. I watch YouTube like pretty much only. And Me too. I think about that sometimes, how quaint it is to not have cable and how that made me feel. Like, And I have it still to this day because I'm like, oh, I'm just going to have it like just in case. That's kind of like my, my feeling. Like maybe I'll need it. And it's just this option of things to do outside. I, I get so afraid, I think, of being stymied and bored thinking of those days where I'm like, yeah, sure. I think about some situations where I'm like, what the fuck were you doing? <laughs> like, how could you have not been so bored, but we just weren't? And now I'm so like, I think we're broken as a people, generally speaking. Like, I, I can't imagine when I when you know, when you're I don't know if your Apple iPhone does this, but when it says like your your screen time this week has been down 10 percent or up. I don't know if you get that. No, I get that reminder every week those. and it tells you that or it tells me that. And it's like your screen time has been an average of three hours and 34 minutes this this, you know, per day this week oh, or whatever. Wow. I'm like, holy fuck. Like, what am I even doing? <laughs> what am I doing? I can't even imagine. Lily is my daughter's Ugh, scary stuff. So it's it's just um, balance. I, I, yeah. I, but I, lo- I love that we come from that generation. Like, I just I, I think it's so especially generation X, which I'm not part of. I'm an early millennial, but it's very formidable time. People will never know what that was like. And we were the ones that were broken into it. We, we came from that old world yes. and remember it. We were there. Yep. That's why, that's why I keep saying, I was like, I was there. I was really was there. And that's, I, I told you, you know, a few months ago, I have this VR fantasy one day of being like, you know, KB toys, 1987, put on the VR headset. It's going right? to happen. And you just, it uh, definitely is. It's going to happen. 
And it's like, man, man, I can't wait to live in those analog days again through virtual reality. It's, it's so, gonna be so, so strange. Oh, dude, it's gonna be so. Yeah, we were there for those analog. I'm so grateful for that. Me too. You know that we were there for those analog things and to see that change. And I, I don't know. Sometimes, yeah, technology is so rampant, and again, that inevitability. But it does seem like. Well, let me put it this way. It seems like there could be some sort of return to the quote-unquote way it was, but I'm not sure how that's going to happen. And that's why I like your idea about virtual reality, because that makes the most sense. Going back in a fantasy way, it's not real, but it feels real. That seems like a logical way to tackle that and sort of itch that nostalgia. No, you know, I can't scratch wait. At those, it's gonna, at that nostalgia. It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. I think so. And I think absolutely. And it's like the it's like the Black Mirror episode, San Junipero, which is all about that, and it's awesome about how these people go back to the eighties, basically. And That's have so you seen cool. that episode? These no. two, these two women. I gotta, it's del- I gotta dig into Black Mirror. Dude, that oh my god, that show is so fucking. I haven't you'd seen love that. You'd love that show. Have you seen any of it? You showed me you and oh yeah, you fell asleep. I tried to show you Metalhead or something, and you fell asleep during it. That one, uh, the one with the Mausers with the metal, yeah, yeah, yeah. that yeah. one terrified me. I saw that one all the way through. There was a couple of other choice ones that you got me were trying to get me to watch it. I fell asleep. During. Yeah, so not the best. That's time, one but... I got it well, after Game of Thrones. Maybe I'll go. Yeah, back yeah, yeah. We should we should Mirror. put that on the list at some point. That would be fun. For sure. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Wonderful show, especially because each each episode will require its own episode. You can't. You can't do oh, seasons yeah, at a time. Point. There's no way. First, they're really long. Some of them are two hours long. And, and um, Oh, I didn't know that. Like Metalhead's short. I think it's like 45 minutes long. I love that one. Get the one with John Hamm, White Christmas, is is widely considered the best That's one. That's the I'd one be really you always to... told me about. Yeah, oh my God. That one's so fucked. <laughs> oh, you'll love it. I, especially because you love Bradbury and all that kind of stuff. And obviously Serling. You'll, you'll love it. I mean, it's a total ode to, to those things that we love. Yeah, but, absolutely. But, um... Dig, is there anything left unsaid before we uh, we get out of here? I mean, that was fun. It was really fun for me to sit down just for a few hours and think about things. And, you know, talking about earlier, like things that we forgot about for a long time, it's just the things that it dredges up, you know, the era. You, you could almost taste and smell the time. You know, some sometimes the rooms felt different as per the different seasons, what was going on, maybe the holidays. So it's bittersweet. It's, you know, those things are kind of in the past now, but I think being tuned into that helps me deal with that with my own kids, which I think is, is good, which I think is good for them too, because I get to think like, all right, like be sympathetic to it. Like, I understand what you're going through. You want to kind of shed those little kid things and get into this more sophisticated environment. You want to surround yourself with things you like now, not the things you liked when you were four. So and it's funny that we're t- having this conversation now because it really is a direct link to what's going on with both my kids and how their attitudes are really kind of in that they're right they're right there right in that pocket right now and also how they handle it differently. Lilia, our daughter, our oldest, she would leave the bedroom. I, I'm afraid to know what would happen. The me- you talk about a mess. Your friends with messy rooms, that mess would just build until it reached the ceiling. I'm pretty sure if we didn't intervene in some way, like, all right, look, we're going to help you. Let me get, I'll do the hamster cage. You do the vacuuming. Let's kind of take a few hours and get this done. I, I'm afraid. She, the apple fell very far from the tidy tree with me. And Graydon falls somewhere in the middle. 
It get, he's more like Helene. Things will get to a certain point. Things will get frenetic. He'll be busy. When that mess gets to a certain point, reaches a certain crescendo, he'll stop and fix it. But it could get messy in the meantime, you know? So it is, it's interesting to see too, like how can I custom tailor their rooms now? They're a little older. He's a preteen. She's in her teens. How can I kind of deal with that? And, you know, also like make that play into the new environment, whether it's new furniture and spending money. And I do understand though, like with my kids, Lilia loves to be in her room. Graydon, not so much so. He, he'll spend some time in there. If he needs to do something private, he gets on a Zoom call with his friends. Little girl things going on with him lately. Wow. I won't blow him up. We're there. We have arrived. Wow. wow. What grade is yeah. he in? He's in he'll be going into sixth, but he's still Oh in yeah, fifth. that's about right. Okay. Yeah. A, yeah, he's right there. <laughs> you know? And you could see he's going through that, like again, not to blow him up on the pod, but he's going through that thing where, you know, those two worlds are colliding. It's like the childhood stuff. Like I love Legos, but like all of a sudden I don't care so much about the Legos and I'm really into like this girl in my class, you know? And you could see like, he's still holding on to a little bit of the old ways, but the new ways are coming in. So yeah. that's, it's, it's that clash. Yeah. It's fun. It's, it's actually that's fun to observe it. Yeah. You know, Fair am enough. I going to have the talk with him though? Like <sighs> Helene already has apparently. You're no different than, than our parents. If you don't, he goes to her. For this stuff because i think he thinks i'm gonna tease him you probably will. and i, I mean, am yeah <laughs> well that's fun that's that's exciting yeah they're getting older it make, makes a lot of sense well that was fun that was a fun conversation longer than i thought it was gonna be which was which was great i think people are really gonna enjoy this they like the the personal episodes quite a bit it's fun it's fun yeah. to talk about yeah but we'll get back talk. to the uh to the the more knockback centric stuff as well yeah because when i think about these episodes as i said in the past I'm like, I don't want to go through them too quickly, but they just keep manifesting. Like I, I, I sometimes I'm like, how did I not think of this bedrooms? We've done 200, this 217th episode, I think like Jesus yeah, Christ. Well, you were, you this been? is a great idea. This was all yours. Well, thank you. We'll get back to game of Thrones and the game. We owe some games and all of this. Actually, I'm trying to think, fuck, I think I actually, you know what I'm looking at now? I think I totally forgot to do a vote this month. So I'll have to do that. Oh, for I'm all scatterbrained. We're about to announce our new game and all of this. Um, so you got a lot um, going on. You got actually, a, lot, a lot of coals. Yeah, a lot of embers in the fire. The game will be just on the verge of being announced. I think when this goes live. So, um, yeah. So we're yeah, just a lot of things going on. But um, we appreciate all of you out there for your love, kindness, and support of the, of the show. Dave, let's end this episode of Knockback as we always do with a dad joke. Kyle, I wasn't sure if you heard. Apparently, police have arrested the world tongue twister champion. They say he will be given a tough sentence. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> I like that. I had to think about that one for a second. Yeah, that was... One of our viewers turned me on to an Instagram. This is all you guys needed. Now you're in trouble. Called the Twitter, or it's an Instagram, uh, Dad Says Jokes. So if you guys want to check out that Instagram. It's a source for you to plagiarize, a steady source another for you to source. plagiarize. another source. Another yeah. source for me to plagiarize. But if right. I blow it up, did I plagiarize it? No. If a tree falls in the woods, it's it's like it's like poor Richard's almanac. Like that shit is just eventually just joins the nomenclature. A penny <laughs> it's to be a penny earned. It's just that no one knows that Benjamin Franklin said that. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, Dave. Appreciate the dad joke. Appreciate your time as always, and, and appreciate all of you of guys out there. Thank you again for love, kindness, and support of all things Knockback. Patreon.com/slash/LastDamnMedia for early ad-free access to this show and all other things. I will get a. I usually we do get the polls up every month. I forgot this month. 
we'll get that going and um yeah submit those those ideas for shows and have other people vote on them i think uh i'm trying to think what's coming up uncharted 2 yep. red dead redemption star wars episode 3 we got to get to at some point oh, boy <laughs> god help us i'm like putting that one off i'm just like oh god that one's just gonna kept getting chucked no down. i mean that's it's, it's perfect <laughs> But uh, all right, we'll, we'll see you all out there next time for more Knockback. Until then, goodbye. Knockback, a retro and nostalgia podcast, is a product and trademark of Last Stand Media and Collins Last Stand LLC and is recorded from Central Virginia and the Philadelphia suburbs, USA. The show was conceived by and is produced by me, Colin Moriarty. My co-host is Dagan Moriarty. Knockback's executive producer is Dustin Furman, and the show is edited by associate producer Ben Smith. All of Last Stand's theme music is by Ramon Narvaez. As you know, all of Last Stand Media's shows, including Knockback, are fan-funded on Patreon at patreon.com slash laststandmedia. The following names are at the producer support level or higher on Patreon, and we're grateful for your kindness and generosity. Andrew Morgan, Stephen Nieder, Ross Barranca, Miguel A. Brewer, Morgan Ashley, Azan, Michael Vecchio, Jerome Ferreira, SLDFMA, Daniel D'Amour, Brad Cooley, Jeremy Key, Patrick Leslie, Dave Cowell, Tom Quinn, Stephen Innerfield, Salty Trees, My Name is Effing Mayo, Logan Byford, Eddie Medina, Jason R. Zahn, Christopher Knock, Zeno Adam, Grayson Maxwell, Cody Woodall, Nuclear Prostate, Jonas Young, Sorta Serious Gaming, Unofficial Controller Podcast, Colin Farley, Mark Arnold, Zia Parix, Henry Groth, Relentless Rex, Troy Miller, Meyer Katz, J.A. Zhu, Tristan Palacios, Drew Mullen, Christian R., Jad Rita, Benjamin Muma, Patrick Skipper, Sweaty Mitt, Chris Kelly, Dustin Graff, Peyton Stone, Jalapeno, Josh Hallen Rui, Tyler Watkins, Michael Buffel, Troilus True, Dan Root, Talisman, Christopher, Randall Holsey, Robbie Nauman, Nuke Dukum, William Holbert, Josh Godfrey, Kalike Zuza, Vornak, Betty Ann Moriarty, Daniel Johnson, H. Tronge, Jay Getter, Bjorn Campbell, Jeff Mercado, Gregory Slavinsky, Jordan Gale, Greek Thunder of Fortuna, Boots, Tyler Brown, Megadet, Poot, Gavin Newland, Saul Balcazar, Brian White, Raul Melendez, Eric Harden, Alex Bolton, Matt Flowers, Kinnums, Joseph Baker, Cruxes, Chris Moore, Caswell, Anti Kinnanen, Chris. Chris, Dave Alvarez, Will Hernandez, Chris Galvin, Justin Gonzalez, Mason Cadillac, Ollie Fritz, Zach Allen, Kyle Hagel, Colin Love, Daryl E. Naiman, Ryan R. Kittredge, Toby Ryland, Michael S., Dave Bostick, Stewie 108, Patrick Montgomery, Daryl Rodriguez, Fat Houdini, Richter 86, Steve Hodge, Barrett Boswell, Christopher DeVaio, Chris Morton, Kevin Komaki, Johnny Waffles, Roto 24, Jonathan Coach, Sean Mason, Josh Gravelick, Jordan Town, Brian Chan, Organic Produce, Shane St. Pierre, Carlos Algarit, Dominic, Mike Menzel, Richard Hebert III, Miranda Grubba, Josh Yeager, Martin Beck, Gavin, Joey Andrzejczyk, Nathan R., Joe McPartland, Gary Cavallo, Christopher Moore, Jacob Bell, Dennis Usel, Lou and Ray Loper, Jonathan Cortez, Dylan Burns, Jason Lusky, Malachi Wall, John Schultz, David Chestnut, Anton Kay, Alan Tremblay, Tyler Bellow, Ryan T. Mandel, Tony Zaniga, Sean Battershaw, Robbie Hensley, Alex Cabrera, Lennon Brixey, Hugo's Desk, Peter Reynolds, Anthony Vasquez, Adam Kiniston, The Rose Experience, and Grizzled Veterans Media, Tyler Goodwin, William O'Carroll, Jorge Powell, Jasper Jansen, Max Cannon, Phil Crone, Throw Seven, Adam Nix, Josh McKinney, Michael Gates, Alex Gates, Ryan Robertson, Sean Chandler, Lockmore, Geo Corsi, Joey Gondholiker, Gerald Pennington, Justin Wagaman, Brent Linquist, David I. Colucci, Paul Joyce, The Last of Us Part 2 fan, Edwin Castillo, Chad Lewis, Enrique Perez, Joshua Smallwood, Spencer Brand, Don Lee, John Cordero, Keith A. Lewis, Marius Garson Peterson, Ryan Greenwood, Tyler Harris, Matthew Perdue, Patrick Harper, Josh Robinson, Mad Mock Media, Jonathan Rice, and Casual Misfits Gaming. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... 
I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.